from the creators of Relevant Magazine. This is the Relevant Podcast. Just make it painless. Just make it painless. It's the week of Friday, July 28, 2017, and it's the Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and this week's show is brought to you by Samaritan Ministries. Tell me more. No, okay. So Samaritan, right now, insurance. It's rad. Insurance is a whole discussion. This is not insurance. This is an alternative to uh, the system as it is. What Samaritan's Ministry is, is a ministry that helps members share their medical needs. So the way it works is that members can kind of uh, share, you know, whether it be a broken bone or cancer or pregnancy or organ transplants. They have more than a quarter million Christians that have chosen this healthcare option that adheres to their biblical beliefs and brings together believers in community. They are committing to send financial gifts every month directly to an assigned member with a medical need. But there's more involved than money or, or just healing uh, where there's a need. They pray for each other and all aspects of each other's needs uh, and encourage each other uh, by sending notes and cards. Every month, more than 69,000 households give generously to other members with a qualified medical need through Samaritan Ministries International. It's super rad. Yeah, that that's such a cool, interesting alternative to traditional insurance. Yeah. So currently, Samaritan members give a monthly share of only $495 for a family of any size, while individuals give $220 and couples give $440. Just as significantly, Samaritan members also pray for one another, include notes and cards of encouragement with their monthly shares, which they send directly to other families. You can find out more at SamaritanMinistries.org. How cool is that? It's a really interesting idea. It's an interesting thing. It's community. Yeah. It's it's faith based, and it's an alternative to insurance. So it's interesting. There you go. <laughs> Very cool. SamaritanMinistries.org. All right. Like I said, I'm your host Cameron, and here with me in our Orlando studios, Eddie Big Cat Coffold. What's up, man? Good Over, to see you. Good to see you. Over there on the ones and twos, our illustrious producer, my brother Chandler String. Hello. On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. And joining us from Los Angeles, California, Propaganda. West, West. There you go. Hello, Propaganda. Hey, Prop, you're about to go Hello. to South Africa, aren't you? Dude, today. There you go. I get on a plane today. Wow. Yeah. What's going on there? Yeah, tell us. Oh, man, I'm going to do some raps and, uh, <laughs> you know, do some raps. Then I'm... Uh, no, not had, said. I mean, I got not some said. Got there. it. Clear picture. <laughs> yeah, thank you. yeah, there it is. And uh, visit some... Um, yeah, I'll visit some orphanages. Man, hopefully I'll get to go to, like, the spot where... Um, you know the 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 prison that uh, Nelson Mandela was at, so I can yeah. just weep bitterly. Oh. You know, yeah, yeah, jeez, yeah, man. That's, have you ever been there? I have. I've been there. Uh, I've been there before, That's and cool. it was just as 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 awestruck as just hearing about going is like how awestruck it is when you're there. Man, hmm. safe travels. That's it's really neat. Beautiful. Yeah. Like it. Like Cape Town might as well be like Miami. Like it is. With beautiful with cliffs and incredible topography, yeah. Yeah. with cliffs and topography, right. and an incredible amount of history of social change. Not, not, not like a swamp that they paved, yeah, yeah. and way less Cuban <laughs> food. 
I would imagine. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Almost no Cuban food in South Africa. And Nando's chicken. Yeah. yeah. Glorious. There's that too. And slowly yeah. the podcast evolves back to food. Yeah. Because it's around lunch <laughs> yes. time and that's all we talk about. <laughs> I'm really thinking like, man, I could go for a good Cuban sandwich right now. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. I was going to say, dude, you're really making me hungry. I don't even know where there is a Cuban place around here, but I will find yeah. one after this yeah. podcast. So props that, that's a Florida perk right there. Oh, we yeah. have many, many good Cuban places. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And props talking about I, like I remember. weeping, you know, and seeing this. And I'm like, I don't think I've ever had South African food. <laughs> Actually, Nando's oh. is pretty delicious. Yeah, that's hey, you actually it's up by you man it's in uh nando's is uh they're all in like dc and maryland now oh there you go jesse oh. you can go check it out you have to go get trip. it what a road trip yeah uh we have a great show coming up for you today uh coming up later josh garrels joins us to Ooh, to uh tell bro. us the songs that changed his life i love this segment oh neat yeah yeah oh that's and he d- dude this one was a lot of fun because um he has such like a diverse, like crazy taste in music and the way that he structured, he put so much time and, and, and thought into the, into how he wanted to present his. And it's really like, you're listening to like a mini biography through the lens of music. It's cool. He did a good job with it. And also yeah. coming up on the show today, Dr. Emerson Egrich is oh, joining us. E- he has a new book. Train. Uh, back in it. He has a new book called Before You Hit Send. It's Dear Eddie Koffeltz. Before yeah, you Eddie, send. I'm not going to lie. When we did this, it it really, you know, I mean, I tried to keep it on message about the book. It's an important message. You know, he's a communication yeah. expert. Yeah. But I felt like he was talking directly to you with some oh, of the yeah. adults. Um, oh, you'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. I, I would it's say, personal. I'll say that. I would say it is personal. It's, it makes sense. I would say. He said some hurt. I was surprised he said some hurt. A lot of the things. anecdotes in the book, shockingly, were about this podcaster. This anonymous podcaster <laughs> yeah. that he was wanting we'll to. E. Koffeltz. No, that's too obvious. Eddie K. We'll yeah. go Eddie K. <laughs> I, I'm interested to hear this interview because there have been a few times in my vocational life where I have just poured gasoline all over a situation and lit it all on fire really? yeah. with a just a very tersely worded direct email. And well, that's uh, what I, honestly, that's a lot. It's 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 about like context and, you know, nonverbal cues that are lost. This was super fascinating. I literally this week had to send an important email to people Printed it out, went into, there's a three, four people that I highly respect here at the office that were in a meeting, interrupted their meeting with three copies of my email. Will you please tell me <laughs> if this is okay or not? Yeah. They and were like, you know, Cameron, I think after sentence three, if you did a colon smile parenthesis, really <laughs> kind of yeah. help clarify that sentence. Hey, uh, uh, before we move the show along, you know, the next thing we usually do is talk yeah. about in case you missed it. That's just but, all back but, up. But I mean, <sighs> it's the end of July. Which means every year this is when Jesse Carey gets his hopes up yeah. and then are is severely disappointed with Discovery Channel's Shark Dude. Week. And I and just as a just as a preface to the normal format of the show. Yeah. I'm just I think most of us prop, you can do what you want because this is kind of your first time walking through Shark Week with Jesse. But <laughs> from having done this a few for a few years, I'd push the mic away. Grab a Coca-Cola and just let it go. I've spent too much. I spent too much emotion and energy, but I will yeah. tell you what happened this year. Wait, before you do, Jesse, I just want y'all to know, I probably have a very similar amount of passion for Shark Week. Uh, maybe I'm not as animated as Jesse, but Shark Week <laughs> is a joy. Me and my eldest daughter watch it together. Jesse okay. loves spectacle. So he yeah, loves David true. Blaine. He loves the Walinda Flywire acts. The, the, he loves it's, it's like a shared experience, a cultural yeah. shared experience. Yeah, and so he awesome. gets really excited yeah. about these things because we're all going to experience this yeah, together. We're all in it. Yeah. And then yeah. 
this happened. Yeah, so, right. you know, you I had probably, it's probably been about three or four years where I, I formally gave up on Shark Week, and it ended with me sending a very tersely worded email to Discovery <laughs> Channel, and I do not regret it. I have it in my inbox somewhere, uh, but yep. I went off the rails that <laughs> night because I felt like when I was a kid, you watch Shark Week to learn cool stuff about sharks, and at the very least, at least the footage they're showing you is real. Right. It's not CGI. Right. Three years yes. ago, they basically, it was just fiction. It was, it might as well have been Sharknado. And we one thing if that's how they're marketing it, but, but they just ruined Shark Week. So, you well, know, was that the Megalodon, so I, I, the Megalodon one where they did the fake documentary about like something that wasn't even real? A prehistoric shark that's been extinct for like a million years. They did a, a fake documentary. You didn't tell people it was fake. They, they literally, they, they like, that was their strategy so much that they followed it up with one about real mer people. Okay. Yeah. Shark Week right. has turned into Discovery Channel doing mermaid documentaries. Right. Okay. That, that with CGI that they're trying to fake people out with. So I long given up though. I, I can't help myself. I've been like popping back in. You, you, know, you hope they're going to reclaim it. In. You, you hope every year you, you get the hope. You, you try not to get hopeful, the, but then you talk yourself into it again. This could be the year that they, that they, that they course correct. <laughs> Maybe, you know what? Here's how I picture it happened, Cameron, because I'll say this. There was no colon parenthesis smiley faces in that email. Right. But what I picture is ratings have been plummeting since those three years. And there's a big board meeting and everyone's getting at Discovery Channel is getting super pumped about shark meeting, shark week. This is the big shark week meeting and the CEO at the end of the boardroom table, pulls out my email and passionately reads it. And they're like, yeah, we're going to correct. Well, it's time to write the ship. You know, this guy is saving the day. He's going to be Shark Week back. So anyway, this year they were talking about how they were going to do a race, Michael Phelps versus a shark right. in the pool. I think we talked about this on the podcast. Hey, I just I went, was in case you missed it. I just it. went and got a drink. Is he still going? Yeah, he's still going. Right, I'll be back. Yeah. <laughs> I've been so pumped about this shark race. It's such a great idea. I let my kid, I let my son, who's four, stay up. And I had friends over for this. No. Okay. <laughs> I had friends over to watch Michael Phelps race a shark. All right. They build this thing up for an First hour. First of all, for you to already know this is going to be terrible and you invited friends over, yeah, I am I losing pizzas. It was a whole deal, man. Oh, my. I, we were all pumped. We we're all sitting around the couch. I was pacing at the no. time. I, I couldn't even sit on the couch as it was building up because, of course, it's like an hour long dumb documentary, but it did have lots of sweet shark slow mo like building up. So they finally get to the race. They, Michael Phelps has a, like a superhero cool wetsuit on, he's got a shark fin on his feet. I don't know if that gives him a strategic advantage. They said it did. I, it was super cool. It was like now Batman versus Shark, okay? You guys saw what happened. I'm, did you guys watch? Nope. Or did you get suckered in like me? No. Nope. Uh, I, I watched. Watch Rob, <laughs> tell them what happened when Michael Phelps hit the water. I turned it off because I was like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever watched in my life. They speculated a shark's speed based on like measurements throughout the show and let him race a CGI shark. I was oh, like, you're not actually gosh. swimming with the shark. Here, he, Okay, Cameron, here's the thing. When you say I like spectacle, yeah. I like to watch things on TV that the risk of death is real. <laughs> like, like I want to see David Blaine get shot in the face yes. with a bullet or in, ca in, in, in case in a, in, in a thing of ice because I know I might witness a death and for, so will most of America. For clarity, yeah. you don't want David Blaine to get hurt. I don't but want him to die. Trick I, don't want Nick Willinda, I don't want Nick Willinda, Willinda to plummet into Niagara Falls. I don't want that. Right. 
I want the thrill. Like, that's what we're missing from modern life. Is like, day to day, there's no chance I'm going to see, like, a spectacular death. But you're telling me I need to watch an Olympian in a pool with a shark? That's what I'm in for. I don't want him to get eaten. No. I want the thrill of it. Right. Okay? okay. And they've they've deprived me of that. And I want to see the shark like smoke him. Like I just want to see this to be like, oh, that was stupid. Just that's what I want to see. I want to, yeah, I wanted to see like a shark in one lane, and I want to see Michael Phelps in the other. I want to see as soon as Michael Phelps jumped in the water, the shark opened his mouth and attacked him, and they had to dive everyone in and pull him off. Like, yes. Like, yes. I wanted it to go down like an episode of Cheaters at the end when they do the confrontation. That's what I wanted Michael Phelps and the shark to be. Cheaters. Cameramen jumping in the pool, pulling people out. Everyone's okay. Maybe the shark gets hurt. Everyone's okay though. But oh it's a spectacle, gosh. and they denied me that because it was a it was a, it was a CGI race. That's all. I gotta say but, about it. I was upset. But Jesse, it reminds me and it brings me back to remember a couple of years ago when that guy was gonna be eaten by a boa constrictor and we were just like, there's no way, but also, come on, they can't be lying that hardcore about this. And it happened and it was a complete dud. Like every time one of these things happens, I feel like it, he gets, it's not it's, the problem with the idea, the concept. It's all about the execution. Like, oh, sweet. I'm, we're gonna watch a guy get eaten by a boa constrictor on TV. I 100 kajillion degrees and percent agree because I was like, how are they going to keep him safe? And then at once I realized this was CGI, I was like, I am the stupidest man on the planet. Did I actually believe they were going to put this man in a pool with a shark? Come on, prop. But yeah. they could have built. Smarter than they could have built a massive pool with like a big plexiglass divider down the middle. That's what of I'm it. saying. Yeah, they could have figured out a way. And they just have like Ryan Lochte being used as bait for the shark, and they're just holding <laughs> him at one end because that guy will do anything at this point. And Michael Phelps. And then why would? And then I'm going. Why would the shark comply? Like the shark's really going to wait for the gun to go go? Like, and then I'm going. Did you train the shark? Like, is this a wild? How this hard is going to be to train a shark? Like you got you got months to build up like i mean it's not like you're training they, they can train shamu to do a choreographed dance routine you can't train a shark to swim from one end of the pool know, to the next i've never seen the choreographed shark routines at sea world no, there's gotta true. be a reason my question if they've ever tried cameron <laughs> to be honest with you after i've seen the Horror effort. Sorry for my language. Of Discovery Channel sharks. I question what, whether even anyone's even cared enough to try. Cameron. You know what? You have a really weird codependent relationship with Discovery Channel yeah. and Shark Week because right now it's you're sad. just like, forget it. I'm going to go back and live in my mom's, and we're never talking again. And then, like in a week, it's going to be like, listen. I just said a lot of things that I mean to say. They like, come back. Yeah. Like, I'm still pretty mad at you. And then in a year from now, like right before it happens, it's going to be like, I love you so yeah, much. A year from now, it's going to be like, hey, listen, we're going to do Conor McGregor. It's going to wrestle a shark. Yeah. And I'm going to be like, I'm we're going to work this, this out. Is, this is your, you finally. And then it's going to be. I could never blame. leave you. Yeah. And then a year and a week, it's going to be, I hate you all over again. Yeah. yeah well, it's a sick thing. It's sick. It's like every year on the Realm Podcast, the last week of the year, we do the clips at the end of the year. Yeah. Every year we do our Lollapalooza recap. Yeah. Tradition. Every mm-hmm. year we have Jesse Carey, a three minute version of his 87 minute <laughs> rant about Shark Week. Yeah. And if you're listening to this, there was some language they had to cut out because frankly, I came off the rails. On yeah. That was pretty. I, well, I said what needed to be said. It was pretty difficult. All right. We'll move the show along. It's time for our look back at what happened this week in culture and entertainment. It's time for In Case You Missed It. In case you missed it, uh, this week it uh, it was announced that Simpsons mastermind Matt Groening is making a new cartoon for Netflix. It's going to be called Disenchantment. 
and it's going to take place in a fantastical medieval kingdom called Dreamland that's uh, seen better days, but will deal with some very real adult themes, of course. Uh, in a statement, he said, ultimately, disenchantment will be about life and death, love and sex, and how to keep laughing in a world full of suffering and idiots, despite <laughs> what the elders and wizards and other jerks tell you. Yeah. <laughs> 20 episodes of the series are going to air sometime next year on Netflix, and it's going to feature voice acting of comedians like Abby Jacobson and Eric Andre. So this should be interesting. Yeah. I'm, I, I wasn't a big Futurama fan, but The Simpsons, I feel like, I feel like The Simpsons has come back. It's not as good as it was in its prime, but it's still pretty good if you want, it, if you tune into. It's, it's interesting to me, though, depending on who you talk to, that people who have watched The Simpsons and liked it over the years feel there are different primes based mm-hmm. on when, like, they were in college. Yeah. Whenever they were in college, right. that was the prime. Everybody's, was the one. So Everybody's yeah. favorite SNL is the one that was when they late were high school or early college. Yeah. 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 Okay, I have a question: Is this his first move off Fox? Because to me, that's a kind of an interesting sub story of this because he's been like a Fox loyalist the whole time. Yeah. Wasn't. Uh, no cartoon network picked up original stuff of Futurama. Uh, so did they? it went off the air and then like two, three, four years later, it came back as a new series on, on cartoon network. Oh, interesting. Okay. It, it, well, what's interesting about the Simpsons too, like just talking about the legacy of his work is we were putting some thought into this feature in the new uh, issue about TV and how the Simpsons, like the internet, like meme culture has given the Simpsons kind of new life for a new generation. Like literally there is a Simpsons meme that you can use as a reaction to any scenario. Yes. And, and, and I feel like to a large degree, there's probably a lot of people who haven't, aren't even familiar with the show. Specifically but, that Homer going oh, into yeah. the bush. That, I'm telling you, that Homer thing's in the lexicon. The I think that that the... probably can go down as Man. one of the greatest gifts in yeah. history. Somebody hit me with yeah. that this week on a tweet. I, I was just really laughing out loud and I've seen it 15 times yeah. and it just continues. But it is, yeah. It's a perfect moment. <laughs> it is perfect. Yeah. But what I'm saying is like, there's probably a lot of people out there, especially the, as people, you know, uh, as um, culture consumers get younger and younger, they might not have that much experience watching the Simpsons on TV, but they know the Simpsons because they're so prevalent in meme culture. Yep. There you go. And t-shirts. Yeah, Still very true. prevalent in T-shirts. And on, and on Netflix, or not on Netflix, on FX, you can watch all of them. All of them. Yeah. 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 Yes. Hey, in case you missed it, Don't e- have a cow. Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg have been bickering about whether or not AI will take over the world. A little bickering between the nerds. Uh, <laughs> but Tesla, boy, when you get to the, the meat of this, it's like, oh gosh, these are two really smart guys arguing about something and the stakes are as high as they possibly be. This is the most terrifying nerd argument I've ever heard. <laughs> uh, we've heard a, some terrifying <laughs> nerd arguments. Yeah. This, this is, is literally the how will Terminator happen? Yeah. Well, then, no, they, I, we just talked about whether or not SeaWorld could train a shark to dance if they wanted to. That's level. We just had that nerd, com- you, you know, uh, comment. This is even more terrifying. Tesla and SpaceX founder Elon Musk has been open about his fears uh, of what AI poses to the future. He's not overly concerned about a Matrix-style computer takeover, but he does think there's a real danger in the unchecked power of computers that can think for themselves. In an interview last year for the film Lo and Behold, he discussed one possible doomsday scenario. He said, if you were a hedge fund or private equity funding, you said, well, all I want my AI to do is maximize the value of my portfolio. Then the AI could decide, well, the best way to do that is to short consumer stocks, go long defense stocks and start a war. 
Uh, Mark Zuckerberg, however, took issue with the thoughts during a live stream. When asked about the comments, he called such ideas pretty irresponsible. Uh, Zuckerberg said, I think people who are naysayers and try to drum up these doomsday scenarios, I just, I just don't understand it. It's really negative. And in some ways, I actually think it's pretty irresponsible. In the next five or 10 years, AI is going to deliver many improvements in the quality of our lives. It didn't take long for Elon to respond. He tweeted, I've talked to Mark about this. His understanding of the subject is limited. Shade, man. (laughs) I mean, why would he talk to Mark directly and then throw that out there publicly? I was going to say, and what like a weird backhanded insult. He he could just be like, no, Mark is dead wrong on this one. His understanding, his understanding of the topic is limited. You're not helping yourself here, Elon (laughs) Musk. Everyone's on Mark Zuckerberg's side on this. No one wants to see AI take over the world and start a war. You don't have to throw shade in a nerdy way. Just make it cool man there's only one theory that makes sense right. and that is a theory that i have that elon musk has been in mars for years and years <laughs> and this is an ai mark or what elon musk really doing his thing yeah that's, so a, so you, that's you think elon musk is on his way to mars right now yeah and i think that this whole argument that we think is elon musk is not it is a westworld-esque robot and that's it. He the, wins. The weird thing is like, you know, or, where we are in Florida is Space Coast is a big part of our, our yeah. you know, local coverage and stuff. Yeah. And so literally last night I was reading. Dan Bello, West 2 News. I know him. The For, local news, the local newspaper I was reading online <laughs> that uh, Elon was like, uh, they, cha- you know, they're going to be launching their thing to go to Mars within two years, but they're, they're going to change the landing uh, vehicle and blah, blah. Like it's happening. Like they're going to yeah. Mars. Oh, so, so you're oh. saying, He's already there. Oh, I'm saying he has set his AI, Elon Musk, many years ago. Okay. He, has he does a- kind of act robotically. Have you noticed <laughs> he that does. he looks like a he looks like an animatronic thing from Disney? The tweet would make sense. And, and can it, I ask another question about Elon Musk? And this is going to sound super ignorant because obviously he's like a brilliant guy. Does anyone else? Okay, for people that don't know, he yeah, he started SpaceX. Like he, he's going to do uh, rethinking space travel. He, he's founded Tesla, the 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 you know, revolutionary like car company. Does anyone driving. else yeah. think that he's run out of ideas? His latest <laughs> idea is the big big is to, to tunnel dig under deep Los tunnels. Angeles. Yeah, no, the yeah. Hyperloop is brilliant. Are you kidding me? Hyperloop like, will be crazy. The uh, fact that you could get from DC to New York in twenty nine minutes is unbelievable. You in could, your car, you could literally live in Washington. Washington DC and work in New, New York. York and take your car every morning to work. It like changes the whole spectrum of human ability. I, the no, ability I agree, to but, the tunnel, okay. but, but, but no, 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 I'm not talking about that. Uh, I'm talking about the idea of saying, I want to build a tunnel, a tunnel under Los Angeles. Yeah. I'm like, Hey, 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 genius. It's little things that my children understand, which are called earthquakes. Okay. You can't build tunnels under Los Angeles. Yeah, that's Listen, true. They built one under London. They have like built a huge, massive tunnel recently. Yeah, but there's, there's not earthquakes regularly in yeah. London. But I feel like I feel like yeah, because Hyperloop. But for my understanding, Hyperloop's above ground. Like Hyperloop no, no, no. is like a monorail. No, he's the the L.A. thing is he wants to do basically a massive multi-level subway type thing under L.A. to solve L.A.'s traffic problems. I was reading that when I was out in L.A. a few weeks ago. I was reading about that. I was like, you're tripping, bro. Like. He probably just doesn't know about the earthquakes. <laughs> well, he's in Mars. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. He's on Mars. Yeah. But I feel, I feel like someone was like, hey, Elon, what's your next big idea? And he's like, oh, um, I mean, I kind of thought of everything. I guess we can do tunnels. Tunnels everywhere and stuff. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm just, I'm spitballing hey, here, guys. I'm, bu- I'm uh, doing a remodeling house right now. And the builder was talking to me the other day about, about Elon's solar yeah. uh, roof tiles. They're amazing. 
and they're now on the market. And you basically, they look like normal roof tiles. They're glass. Yeah. And and uh, your entire roof is going to be solar panels. Beautiful. And more than pays for itself, and you're totally green off the grid. Are yeah. you going to do them? Uh, it's cost prohibitive still up front, but over the life of the house, it more than pays for itself. Because it's, don't, don't you install like battery packs in your yeah. garage that like stores so the energy? First, ge- first generation is pretty much like a it's, beta, but it will be in our lifetime. $24 a square foot to do one of these solar roofs, which yeah. is a lot. Yeah. And then you have to buy like two of the Tesla battery packs for your house. So yeah. that's yeah. like eight grand a pop. It's yeah. a lot up front. It's, it's a lot. But you get a tax rebate. And But in our lifetime, it will... In our It'll early be normal. lifetime. It'll be normal. This is just, we'll all start doing this. Absolutely. I mean, especially in Florida, like every roof yeah. being solar. I mean, yeah. I mean, our roof already has, like, we've never had hot water made by anything but the sun. Really? We have solar. You just have a big pot outside? <laughs> you just leave it on the back porch? <laughs> but no, we have a solar panel and it heats up all the water and it's... Just, I mean, it's already like. Do you bathe outside in a big crab boiling pot? <laughs> I do, but that's by that's by choice. I just stare at the neighbors well, yes, as they I walk do, by. But, uh, I'm in one yeah. of those like old timey bathtubs, you know. And you have like a like a stick with a little brush on the end, and you just get your back. <laughs> yeah, like, I was right. watching Alaskan bush people the other day, and they had to move the outhouse because it filled up. I, that's how Eddie chooses to live in Longwood, Florida. Yeah, it's a strange. I will tell you though. We're gonna Dude, do- hold on. Can I just say this real Why quick? If it became between moving a f- completely filled outhouse, like <laughs> manually moving it, or just moving houses, I would choose moving houses. Like, <laughs> just leave the outhouse, leave our belongings here. I'm not touching that thing. We'll find a new place to homestead, people. Yeah. Dude, I do like the option, though, of being more and more sustainable. Me too. I think it's fun. We're going to, I'm going to do bees. Oh. I'm going to do bees. Uh, what does that do for you? You get honey, and you know they're like your little friends, and you learn about <laughs> how they work and stuff like that. <laughs> Come on, honey, is the that bee movie. I know yeah, how it works. Bees are really good for flowers and the environment, and bees are getting killed off all the time, so you help out. So we get bees, and bees and chickens. That's going to be 2018. I feel like by the end of 2018, sound much more uh, useful than bees. Like honey ain't that important to me. Yeah, but that's but that's your feeling because you probably eat like agape, right? Uh, as in, like, unconditional love? No, 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 not agape. What you mean is that? agave? Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> Obviously, I don't because it's for hippies. <laughs> okay. First of all, I agape you. Let's say that out loud. <laughs> yes. I don't feel you, but I get, I could. Yeah. Christian shouldn't do... Christian shouldn't do filio dating. You shouldn't. You shouldn't. You shouldn't filio while you're dating. It's <laughs> no, no, you're thinking of eros. Oh, it's, oh it's, yeah, filio is brotherly. Oh yeah, no, I eros, eros no. is where you wait. I, I believe in strong uh, purity lines, and I'm not going to filio until I'm married. Yeah, <laughs> and, amen. Right. It's a. I I understand it. I can't comment. I can't add yeah. more to the hey, joke, but I understand. Eddie, I kind of feel like though, if you're going beehive and chicken coop, I feel like you need to choose one or the other because I feel like you're asking for a disaster scenario, like day one. Like oh. you look outside and all of the chickens are being attacked by bees, like right. instantly. Right. It just seems like you got to go one it, or the. It's other. It's like I there. also raise like wolves right next to the chickens and bears right next to the bees, just to yeah. watch everybody fight it out in the backyard. Good yeah. point. I love this whole off the grid solar automated house AI house type stuff. Totally. I, I, I drive home now and and I don't want to walk into a big empty dark house. So I come home and my lights are on. Geofencing. Yeah. It just yeah. knows the lights turn on. I have yeah. the smart thermostats. I can control my house from my phone. I have a car that plugs in. I love all this, man. Let's do it. You and I are going different directions with being off the grid, but I do like the yeah. yeah you're building an outhouse. I'm, I'm like, yeah. I like the idea that my roof <laughs> powers everything, and I don't, and I can. But it is really neat, though. It's neat, right? Like we should be yeah. off the power grid. 
I think so. It's, I mean, honestly, even if you're talking about fiscal responsibility, it's just more economically responsible long-term. It's yeah. a be- better stewardship of natural resources and financial resources long-term. I, I agree. I, Cameron, I agree with you up until the point where you're you know, investing in a beehive to raise honey. Because last time I bought honey, it came in one of those little uh, plastic transparent bears yeah. and it costs like $3. <laughs> You're telling me it's you're telling me that it's cheaper. And, and you know how long one of those lasts? Yeah. Like two years. Yeah. OK, like how much honey yes. are you using? I still have a, a, a transparent bear of honey that's like half full that we bought, like before we moved into this house. Dude, we used a ton like, of three honey. years ago. But 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 Eddie, you're investing not only in the coop, in the bees, but bee so sweet beekeeper suits and that thing that sprays smoke. You're telling me in the lifetime of that investment, it's going to pay for no. itself because that's how much honey no, you're that's not the only purpose. That's not the only purpose for the investment. Part of it too is bees play a you really get stung. Im- bees play an important part of our like agriculture, and it's important to help the bee population because they're being killed. Well, it adds an element of danger to playing in the backyard. You know, yeah, you I want to be able like, to play dodge, <laughs> dodge the bees. Right. You know, we don't know if either of our kids is allergic to bee stings because yeah. they haven't been stung. It'd right. be nice to know. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you know, go out there every you know, every afternoon and play a little good old fashioned bee chase. Right. Good yeah. old fashioned bee chase. Right. Go out there, but it, and it's not that expensive. Like two hundred bucks. We I'm use bored. an incredible amount of honey. Daddy, I'm bored. I was gonna Here's say- a stick. You're never bored in our backyard. Right. Go chase the bees. <laughs> Go. Go whack that beehive and make a run for it. I'll follow with the smoke thing just in case you get too close. But here's I'll my question. Like, like every one of Cameron's makes total financial sense. Yours, I feel like you're saying, I don't need, I, I guarantee you it's more than $200. Like if I Googled beekeeper suit right now, I bet you I couldn't find one for under 200 Either way, even if you gave me $200 and says, this is your lifetime honey budget i'd be like okay i think i'm gonna be fine i think <laughs> i'll have I'm, more than enough like honey bees, <laughs> they're not that much of a staple now if you now if i could get some sort of sustainable avocado tree in my house right. I you think, know what I'm saying? I think you, that can. makes sense. To me. I think it's called an avocado tree. Yeah, you just plant it. Yeah. yeah, we're <laughs> planting <laughs> beach. We're planting one. Actually, hey, we're planting. Hey, 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 prop. You know when you eat an avocado and there's that pit left over? Bury that in your backyard. You might yeah. be. You know, you <laughs> I gotta have a backyard first. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, that's we're planting true. an avocado tree too. Be, uh, beekeeping suits are around one hundred fifty dollars. So That's what I'm saying you know how many? There, there you go, Eddie. This is a terrible. One hundred fifty dollars. You got to buy. You got to buy one for every member of the That's house, or you can't enjoy your backyard. And if how much for, is that cool smoke? But the, gun? we That's don't what do these things. We don't always do these things in order to like make money, right? Because if I was just caring about, I'm not saying making money. I'm just saying I don't want to. I don't want to dress up in a Ghostbusters outfit every time I got to go in the backyard. Hundred dollar says if you come over to my house, you will immediately beg to put on the bee costume and go and mess around. <laughs> with the bees. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm going to smoke those bees out. You know want to go with me? That scene on TV looks pretty cool. Yeah. Well... I'm like, clearly you don't know any black people. There's no way in the world I'm going out there with them bees. Yeah. Yeah, you are. I think you'll love it. You, you'll you'll stretch yourself. I mean, why would you ever be in Longwood, Florida? But assuming you are really, really lost True. and you are around my city, I would love to show you my bees. I know what I know what all the neighbors love. Filet I know what all the neighbors love. Yeah, the my, guy that's maintaining a gigantic fi- beehive in his backyard. They yeah. just love that. Oh, they're gonna love me. I know. Like I that would that I, if I was a neighbor and the the my next door neighbor got bees and chickens and stuff, I'd have an issue. And to that I would say, I don't care. <laughs> I, care, I care about you. If you were my neighbor, I would have a talk about it. The rest of them, it's fine. They got, they know what they were getting into with nature. I totally love being able to go, go to my neighbor's house and being like, yo, let me get like four eggs. Like, that's great to me. Right. But you got to listen. However, you gotta I'm listen just like, to the... there's so many better things. Mm. 
Yeah, but it, you know, I don't want to get into it's it. It's all the You wouldn't understand. I'll bring <laughs> yeah. you guys some eggs, too. Hey, hey, this is a true story, Eddie, and I know then we can move on. I had a friend, a good friend of mine, who's got children, I know, young children like you, and he- Hold on, were the kids like me all or this because money I have in like, a chicken no, coop, no, no, no. right? Like a backyard chicken coop. Right. And it, like his little house, it looked cool, and he bought all these chickens, and the idea was they're going to raise AIDS. Week one- he, thank God, he was the first one up that morning. But he went out there and he said it looked like someone got 15 oh, feather pillows no. and busted them all over his yard oh, and just squirted no. ketchup every year. Oh, oh, no. He's like, they were slaughtered in the night by a fox and I had to oh. clean it up before my kids got up and saw the horror movie oh, that, that happened awful. in the backyard. <laughs> that, I'm just saying, it sounds great until you're that Cooping dad, up animals you know. in the backyard, this is a real thing. When I was a kid, I've said this a long time, oh, listeners oh, know. This is a painful the, story. The, I had, we had a little pet rabbit and we kept Was on, this Jerry Seinfeld? Uh, no, that was my cat. That was a cat, little Jerry Seinfeld. Uh, this pet rabbit, this is floppy. I was eight. Classic. And a little lop-eared bunny. And we had it on the thing on the back porch, and it was like my dad didn't want it on the back porch. Got to move yeah. it to the backyard. Yeah. Put it on a couple cinder blocks, and then the little cage, keeping the backyard. Went out there the next morning, and he had a little blood on his ear. And I was like, "Oh, what? Well, that's sad, Dad. Can we move it back? I don't know. Something fell on it. Whatever. <laughs> no, we're leaving the backyard. Went went back that afternoon. Ever got home from school. Exactly the scene that Jesse just described, except there's fur everywhere. The neighbor's wiener dog came under the fence and ate it alive through the cage. Like skinned it alive. Yeah, I've heard this. Like jumped up and like got up with its teeth and pulled a piece at a time. Skinned it alive. It was in the cage in shock. Eight-year-old Cameron. Hilarious. Still remember this to the day. I'm allergic to rabbits now. And I think that's totally psychosomatic. You know, the worst part is the skinless helpless rabbit that that was shivering in, in, in horrible pain was then attacked by bees. It was just terrible. <laughs> oh, no. I'm saying the, the point being if you have anything in a cage in your backyard yeah. your daughters will be traumatized at some point in their lives. And you know what? Yes. Everybody's got to get traumatized somehow. <laughs> you know? Like I'd rather it be animals You're going to preemptively get them traumatized by yeah. bees and yeah. chickens. I'm going to have them really fall in love with the chickens, name them, oh, yeah, become yeah. their friends, all that kind of stuff <laughs> and then just let the scent out into the world and yeah. invite the pit. I'm gonna, well, there's then gonna one be, day they go out and that that uh, crab boiling pot that you've been bathing in in the front yard is cooking rabbit right. stew and right. you're out there there's a f- stirring them up. Yeah. Right, and there's a Florida panther perched on our roof just licking its lips. Hey, so. in case you missed it, uh, Disney has named its Princess Jasmine for its live action Aladdin movie and she's a worship leader. Uh, along with Will Smith in the role of the genie and Mina Masood or Masoud as Aladdin, 24-year-old Naomi Scott is going to play Princess Jasmine. Where does she lead worship? Uh, though Scott's probably best known for playing the Pink Power Ranger, she's also a recording artist and has been a worship leader. Her parents are pastors of the UK's Bridge Church. And back oh. in April, she told Hype Bay about the important role church has played in her life and music. She said, God is the ultimate creative force. Growing up in the church fostered an inner spirituality that also introduced me to the concept of music having a deeper meaning. Uh, There's always been a connection between my faith and realizing that music can have a soul and purpose, which has ultimately affected the way I approach the art. Uh, Aladdin is currently in pre-production. Talk about masterful casting of like who to play the genie because it's such a... Well, I mean... I wanted a big guy. 
Well, because Robin Williams is just such a known, like, huge entity, and you, you're you, like, you had to, you had to take a left turn. You had to, you had okay. to make it so distinct. And, yeah. and, the, the and they way. had to be really. So famous. somebody who's not at all trying to capture Robin Williams. Uh, no, yeah. I, I just thought it was really good casting. I like. I think Will Smith will be fun in it too, because I like. Uh, I like silly Will Smith. I don't yeah, like yeah, him yeah. trying to be yeah. cool in movies. I like, like, let's just go all fresh prints here. I wanted well, to that, go. That, I wanted Morgan Freeman. Oh, just nice. Just make it kind James of a dark, Earl a, a dark comedy. Yes. <laughs> James Earl Jones. Yes. That would be amazing. John Malkovich. That'd be hilarious. John Malkovich. Like, like James Earl Jones from Coming to America. You know what I'm saying? Oh, man. He is beneath me. <laughs> now, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, hey, I don't understand. Is the genie from Austria? Why does the genie have an Austrian accent? Interesting. Hey, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger. Just, it's written in. doesn't matter. Just ignore it. That's funny. Hey, in case you missed it, uh, this week, Kendrick Lamar surprised one of his fans with a wheelchair accessible van. Um, his longtime fan, Jennifer Phillips, has been trying to raise money for a van that can accommodate her wheelchair. Um, when uh, Kendrick came to her hometown of Dallas, he brought um, uh, Phillips backstage, Jennifer Phillips backstage, and hooked her up with a lot of sweet merch and a signed note that included a very special surprise. She posted the picture of the note on Twitter. It said... Thank you for always supporting me. You're an inspiration for me. You're strong and positive. You're kind and beautiful. For all the years of inspiring me, the least I can do is make sure you're comfortable driving the city. A gift from me to you. You're always appreciated. That's cool. There you go. That is so cool, man. That is. That guy is just on a winning streak. That is really nice. Wouldn't it be fun to have And, that? and think about it, though. He didn't publicize this. He just pulled no, backstage. Gave her some, that's what's even cooler. And gave her a note and yeah. just said, there you go. And then, yeah, word got out because she was blown away. But I mean, like yeah. he didn't have his publicist there snapping no. pictures. No, he's not handing a big yeah. gigantic check and right. doing thumbs it's up. Not he's about just him. being cool. It's about her. That's yeah. so yeah. cool and to imagine me. how life-changing that is for her yeah. just in terms of accessibility, but also just the amount of money yeah. that that is is really it's significant. Be, yeah. In case you missed it, uh, Jim Carrey shared about the importance of faith to formerly incarcerated people involved in gangs. He was invited to speak by Homeboy Industries, a Los Angeles-based organization Whoa. run by Je- Jesuit priest Father Gregory Boyle. You know it? <laughs> yes, he is a LA monument. I think when he passes, like we're going to build a statue yeah, he for was him. Just, like Homeboy Industries has been... Yeah, I mean, oddly enough, life. he is uh, on the new activist this week, Father Boyle. There you go. And he, Serious? Mm-hmm, he's amazing. That's exciting. Yeah, he yeah. is like an incredible person. And Homeboy Industries really started out of like a really simple idea. He he was a, a local uh, local priest, and he was burying kids that were in gangs. And he's like, this just can't be. So he started to see the need of like, what do we need to do to help these kids get out of the gangs? And one, and there, you know, so there's like, all kinds of rehabilitation and job services. But one of the crazy things that he found was hugely helpful was tattoo removal because they get this gang insignia all over them. And it not only hinders Mm -hmm. them just going for a job, but it also marks them in a way in public that they don't want to be marked anymore. And so they have nine to five Monday through Friday, uh, like it is the biggest tattoo removal shop in the world, and they are just constantly scrubbing gang. Every tattoos. time you're flying into Terminal Four and you stop to get a pastry, right at the security thing where it says Homeboy Industries, yeah. you're like, that's that thing. It's like it's he's he employs people. I used to have a T-shirt when I taught high school that was from Homeboy Industries because I taught in a predominantly Latino neighborhood, and that's who, that's really where like that kind of serves a lot of like the Latino gangs. Um, but it was a T-shirt, and it said nothing stops a bullet like a job. Mm. 
I was like, you are so right. So I just, I remember even with them kids, like I used to send them over there, like, hey, talk to some of these kids from Homeboy Industries. And I'm, I'm telling you, job training, like one of the, one of the most, I would say them and the Dream Center are two of the most effective, like, social change things that I've seen Christians do in California. It's phenomenal. And clearly to your point, Jim Carrey has like, well, yeah. learned that as well. Cause it was a really moving film. Well, Jim was raised Catholic before turning to Presbyterianism later in life. Uh, hmm. But he stayed tight lipped about his current religious beliefs. He told the inmates about the power of forgiveness, grace and suffering and the message of the cross. Here's a clip. Your being here is an indication that you've made that decision already. You've made the decision to walk through the gate of forgiveness to grace, just as Christ did on the cross. He suffered terribly, and he was broken by it to the point of doubt and a feeling of absolute abandonment, which all of you felt. And uh, then there was a decision to be made. And the decision was to look upon the people who were causing that suffering, or the situation that was causing that suffering, with compassion and with forgiveness. And that's what opens the gates of heaven for all of us. Love Jim Carrey. Do you? I, I do. I, everybody said like he's... You can't not, man. He's you gotten, can't not like, love Jim Carrey. very real the last couple of years. Like, he's really... Uh, he's just very honest and I like the way he I love the way he was talking about homeboy industries and uh, addressing the people that were in that crowd there yeah alright well that'll do it for in case you missed it stay tuned up next slices to S.G. Lewis. The song is warm. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Arcade Fire's new one, Creature Comforts. A little spooky. Okay, it's time for Slices. What do you have, Jesse? All right, well, um, there was a, there's been an interesting development in the ride-sharing war. So, uh, as you guys know... Uh, is this another you know, nerd argument? Uh, no, this is a custom made for Jesse Carey Slice. Oh, okay. Are you taking on? Are you taking on big rideshare? <laughs> no, you know I, I don't. Have, I, I got no beef with rideshare, which on uh, you know ironically beef plays a big part of the story. It's uh you know Uber and Lyft right are the two. I've never taken a Lyft. I'll say that I've taken Uber quite frequently, um, but I've never taken. Has anyone? Does anyone taken Lyft? I know yeah, that the, yeah. their primary distinction initially was they had that big lame pink mustache on on the the uh, grill right. and then they encourage people to sit up front yeah. so you no. can like chat and so, in the drive, and so right? I I would not ride Lyft because of that I don't want to chit chat in the front seat no. with you get over it uh, yeah. and, and I never and sit it, in the front and then they but then they changed their policy to become basically indistinguishable yeah. from Uber I yeah I ride only Lyft now and really? it's amazing yeah but because yeah, of uh, ethical Lyft. reasons with yeah. the Uber yeah. stuff and, I've and, heard and, of a lot of people doing that yeah and Lyft is just like Uber I mean it's just the same exact experience and it, a lot 
lot of the a lot of the drivers they're have the same both, drivers. both apps going. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. it's exactly and, the same drivers. We were we were in uh, Austin for South by, and I got talking to the guy because Austin at that time earlier this year had banned Uber and Lyft uh, from the city. And so the, everybody was talking about like, Oh, there's no ride sharing in Austin. That's not true. There was just a whole bunch of other lesser known ride sharing options. It was just literally Uber and Lyft that was banned. That's it. And so we were asking the guy, you know, fair and different things like that. So we were asking the driver, like how it's impacted him. He's like, Oh, and not at all. He's like, dude, I have like seven apps open right now. And I just, <laughs> yeah. I just, I, whoever I'm near, I'll just grab that person. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'm picked you up. He goes, actually, if you want me for the cheapest, you use this app, not that app because they add this fee onto it that this one yeah. doesn't. I oh, go, well, which one do you make the most money? And he told me whatever. So it was cool, but they all use all the apps. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So yeah. It's, like, it's all there. Yeah. That's why when you walk into the, you get into the car and the guy has like seven, like smart, contraptions like attached to his because they're all for a different thing. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. I've never seen so many like uh, tablets and phones yeah. just all scrum. I don't even yeah. know how you see the road. Yeah. 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 Well, it's probably why they ditched the big pink mustache thing because it was like, it's one thing switching one app on and the other one off. It's another thing having to get out every ride and put a big pink mustache. On the car. <laughs> <laughs> it's, real, hey, it's real hassle, man. You guys ready for some professional uh, podcasting yeah. for a moment? Please. The worst though yeah. is when you're hungry during a lift. Oh, okay. No. Well, Ooh. Eddie, that's so weird that you say that <laughs> because Lyft is going to test out a new feature in uh, their app that has been pretty controversial, especially among people who are Lyft drivers. And, uh, you know, every once in a while you have those like corporate partnerships that are, are cool and interesting. And every once in a while you have something that's just like, okay, I see what you're trying to do, but this is a terrible, terrible idea. So Lyft is going to start out uh, testing a new feature within their app called taco mode uh it'll be a button that you can press at any point in your ride now granted taco modes only <laughs> it's only going to be active from 9 p.m to 2 a.m because they figure people that are getting ubers at that time are going to be hungry for tacos um so you can press this button and it will ask the driver it will flag down the nearest taco bell and reroute your ride there Okay, so this just went down. You're, you're taking a lift home late at night, uh, and you, you decide that you're hungry. You press this button. Like I said, you rerouted to a Taco Bell. This has not gone over well with drivers for obvious reasons. First off, these people are using their own cars, which are their livelihood. No one wants their car smelling like tacos all day. Two, like make it cheeseburger mode because at least then it, it's not as bad of a smell. Like you don't want your car smelling like taco meat. And as, as I, you know, one, one thing that I feel like they neglected is a button that comes up after you press taco mode, uh, that will pull over, uh, for an emergency bathroom stop. Well, <laughs> Think about you, the driver. This is your car. This isn't like a cab or whatever. How many people can eat a a, a taco cleanly right, at two in the morning? Right. You know what I'm saying? First You're, of all, no human being can eat a taco cleanly. That's what I'm saying. And no one, especially sitting in the back but, seat after the after the club. You know, it's like no, I get it. I, it's disgusting. Well, and they should at least have a limited menu for taco mode where you can't get crunchy. You know, because <laughs> the first bite of a crunchy taco, if you don't have it three quarters of the way yeah, wrapped just, in the paper, it's exploding. Basically, it's an exploding yeah. taco. I got to say this, though. I think that's why burritos are such a thing, right? Because they're just a cleaner taco. 
I don't know that the taste is always better. I think we just like burritos because they basically figured out how to make the taco less explosive. Mm-hmm. But 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 e- either way, take. I feel like the ride sharing thing. You like, should cl- th- clip that out for the best of episode. That was interesting. <laughs> yes, I, I feel I feel like the ride sharing experience has been perfected. We don't need like once you have Taco Bell trying to partner with Uber and Lyft or, or whatever, it, you're just muddling it. I don't need all these extra buttons. I don't need to, to like request a driver to pull over a Taco Bell. And, and two, like. Even just like sitting in the Taco Bell line at like 2 a.m. with an Uber driver who's like super mad that he has to do this. And, and then everyone's like looking at you, judging you because you're in the Taco Bell line at 1 a.m. That's already like the ride of shame, right? This is just a bad idea all the way around. Can anyone guess the what percentage of Taco Bell customers visit the restaurant between 10 p.m. and 4 a.m.? Oh, man. Okay. 50%. <laughs> 50. I would say 50 yeah, <laughs> nobody. Goes I would to say literally them. half of their income comes from those That's hours. Right. It's it's not half. It's it, I mean it's fifteen. But compared to like other uh, fast food, that's far and away more. That's between a lot. Ten p.m. And, the and question is, how many of them are intoxicated, inebriated, or high in some way, shape, or form during them hours? I feel like I feel like your judgment is always impaired if you're choosing Taco Bell to <laughs> some degree, whether chemically or emotionally or something. Emotionally, or you're just so hungry, or <laughs> you're just yeah. It's like, dude, I've had a really bad day. I'm going to drown it away in a big beef burrito and a Doritos Los Loco Taco. You, that was not a sound decision you made. It's impairment. You come home, all the chickens, all the chickens are slaughtered in the back. You're just traumatized, right? You, you're just gonna like sound. You're gonna drown your sorrows right. with a with a chimichanga. You're covered in bee stings. Your your chickens are slaughtered. I, I think you can make a case for almost every fast food restaurant in some way because you're like, oh, McDonald's fries. I haven't had them in forever. I that yeah. those are good. Taco Bell is never. There is I really. Know, not, I have some friends who are passionate. That's and they love it's Taco like Bell. Love or hate. But if know? they had real tacos. Yeah, to, but to it, point. it's like they don't want real tacos. They want Taco Bell. They want Taco yeah. Bell. The weird Dude, thing I is, like, Taco I Bell was in yesterday, man. I got no, I got no problem. But it was in the middle of the day. The most surprising thing to me was I. My thought about it as a actual taco item is that it's. We all know it's not actual Mexican food. The yeah. weirdest thing for me was when I was in Mexico last month. We saw a Taco Bell. Like that's weird to me. But, but, but it's thing, like, do the food courts in like a nice mall in Italy have a Sabaro? And if so, who's got what kind of sociopath <laughs> is going there? I think That's it's true. I think it's American food to them. They're like, hey, let's go get this American food here. It's called Taco Bell. That's funny because a quesadilla is not from Mexico. Right. Yeah. Right. I They view it as American food like they're eating yeah. at McDonald's or something. I get you. That makes sense. Uh, OK. What do you have prop? Uh, hey, I think we should we should stay in this uh, in this Latin theme here. Um, so the, get this and get how hard this is to, to attain the most streamed song in the world ever. Despacito, right? No. Most streamed song ever. And it's in 14 different languages. It's the most streamed song ever in anything ever. This soon. It's only been out for a month. What song? Uh, Despacito. Uh, DJ Khaled, uh, Dustin Bieber, Daddy Yankee, all those guys. Now, see, that's that's the remix. The remix is the one that has all the other names on it. That's the American remix version. But but, but I I think the streaming adds them all up because it's the The same song. Yeah. Okay. So, but like, okay, so... First of all, like the idea of being able to attain that is outlandish. Like how that's really, if you're a musician and you really want to make money, 
Yeah. Cohen if you really want to make money, you're not doing Latin music. You don't want to make money. That's just at the end of the day. Yeah. Right. Anyway, so like any other song that's that big, there's going to be parodies and remixes and some serious remixes, like you said, like the Justin Bieber, DJ Khaled one. That's a serious remix. But then you can't expect that maybe maniac dictators wouldn't get their hands on the most streamed song in the world. Right. So right now, president of Venezuela does a cover of the Despacito song, but it's a piece of like military, like government propaganda. Now, if you know anything about Venezuela, right, we talked about it on the last Red Couch podcast. They're hanging out of the side of of helicopters with machine guns shooting protesters right now. That's how crazy Venezuela is. We talk about, okay, yeah, yeah, our government's going down in flames. (laughs) We understand that. (laughs) However, you know what I'm saying? They drop in, like, it's a, Venezuela's on fire right now. Like, yeah, it's, I mean, it, it, the, 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 the instability has gotten so insane because of various reasons, including government corruption, that there are insane there. There are dramatic food shortages. You're unable to buy basic household things. Uh, and the only people that are being fed right now are essentially government. Yeah, we're so. talking like we're talking like like pre-war germany like it's so bad so this is like if hitler had done his own remix of despacito yeah so hitler does like gundam style like you understand what i'm saying like hitler's on the screen doing whoopum gundam style like what are you doing right so so he's putting this thing out to try to tell trying to tell everybody no look everything's okay look at me i'm fun Uh, actually you just opened fire at us so i don't know how fun you are so um and then, so then the uh, the makers of the song like kind of came out and was like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! What are you doing? Yeah. We are not okay with this. <laughs> yeah, we so have in no way, shape, or form, in any way, support or condone the actions of this. I can't imagine the feeling of that. Like you put out a song that's like it's probably one of the funnest." song like it's such a fun song uh, and then the turn on the state turn on the screen and then see like yeah. a maniac government yeah, official uh, yeah, a, a dictator yeah. appropriating yes. it for propaganda and his version purposes. clearly added to the streaming total making yeah. his versions will put it over the top i think oh. yeah i mean so it was you have bad to enough be conflicted in some way it was bad enough to have dj Khaled on it right <laughs> bad enough I mean, we all like everybody loves dj Khaled. he's fine but he just says his own name a lot he does like well because that's all he can contribute to the song it's i was going to say what is his contribution to the song? The i mean this is he's a different the, conversation the music what does guy. he do oh, he, he's he a makes great, the music he's a great musician it's just like you know I probably, i've had the same I, I, question about kirk franklin yeah to be, same to same be thing. Quite they write the song yes, and they kirk write the production songwriter right yeah but but it but if you if i were to go to like a kirk franklin concert uh-huh. He's what leading. Would he, be doing? he leads the choir. Leads the same. He's, he's like an man. orchestrator and MC. He like runs around. But the worst thing, that's but, the choir director. Yeah, the choir director is important. That's right. He is the choir director. But he's got a bunch of people on stage with him. That's what you're mm-hmm. watching. The most awkward thing I've ever seen musically <laughs> was at the NBA All Star Weekend this year. DJ Khaled had a concert. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't even DJ. He didn't even have a DJ stand or anything. It was him on a mic, just up there, like trying to perform. But he can't do anything. So he was. 
singing over a track. Like yeah. literally, <laughs> like a he's remix. playing the music yeah. and then he's just doing his DJ Khaled talking over it. And that was the concert. He doesn't even it have was, like turntables yeah, or something. No, it was no. weird. It was so awkward. And he's uh, and he's wiping his sweat with hundred dollar bills. <laughs> like yeah, he say, he, obviously he's like a genius or whatever. Yeah. You know, at least as like a marketing person and a branding person. But like I felt like he's self aware enough. Like if I was him, I would have the concert and I would have the musicians and the DJs perform on stage. I would build a moat around it and give the people what they want, which is me riding on a jet ski, pumping my <laughs> fist. The whole, yes. like, and, and, and occasionally like spraying the audience, you know, from my moat. Because be I feel great. like if you're DJ Khaled, that's actually what people want to see. I would go to that. that. That's true. Yeah, yeah, I like him. I, I, I mean, mean, right now he is the number one and number two songs in the country on the Billboard charts. Yeah. The only thing that we're, I'm not hating, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, lean into it, man. It is people. People love your Instagram account because you're insane. Do that on stage. That's what people want to see. Yeah, it, but he ha- he can't do a concert where he doesn't have fewer than thirty people on stage with him. That's the thing. Colin needs to like, if it's a DJ Colin concert, it's going to be an experience, like what Jesse was saying. Although yeah. I got to say, if I made music like he does, because mm-hmm. I forget that he's like the actual musician that's like making all the beats, I'd probably say my name every couple minutes just because I don't want people to forget like hey like what would you do Eddie K Big Big E just Eddie Koffeltz it has a nice ring to it it has a nice sharp German ending Eddie Koffeltz made this yes like right in the middle of the song (laughs) it's more of like a watermark than it is an actual musical moment (laughs) it's a watermark right it's like when you watch like a like I mean, Academy Award screeners or something. That's what most of most producers do at this point. It's like at the beginning of the song, it'll be Mike Will me, made me, it. Yeah, Metro on the beat or yeah. something like that. Yeah. I think that'd yeah. be pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. If young Metro don't trust you. Yeah, yeah. 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 Hey, uh, but I do much my So you do, would it be your voice? Yeah, it would be me. It just would be saying, like a nice female voice going, Eddie Koffeltz like, made it. Chandler, can you drive a beat or do you not have one? I can just do you it. Can beatbox real quick. Yeah. Hello, this is Eddie yeah. Koffeltz. Here's a song I created. <laughs> okay, that's how it go. And I like it. That would, would be brilliant, though. You should actually, do that's a, the funny part. A remix of Despacito. I think I really should. And I'm going to include Brad Paisley just so that every single musical genre in the world is included. I think you should. That was the only thing they missed was country. Okay. Have they done country? <laughs> so the Eddie Koffeltz, you're going to be the DJ Khaled of country remixes, is what you're saying. I think so. Yeah. I, I don't like know lot about country music but i feel like i could figure out a way to yeah you figure out i mean you see an opening in the market mostly i just want to buy you'll figure out i just want to buy a jet ski and a beehive and some chickens and i feel like i i no no see if you the equivalent of that eddie is like you're just riding around the stage during the remix concert of these country songs on horseback and people are just loving it and occasionally like you lasso someone from the crowd to come up on stage My theory that the 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 greater the threat of witnessing a live death, the 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 more people, the more the audience is engaged. At some point during the concert, DJ Khaled, you're going to need to jump the jet ski over a large portion of the absolutely <laughs> in a pool on the other side. That, he needs to probably at the climactic moment of the of the yeah. He needs concert. to wreck but a Ferrari I, I would every go show. To that. I would pay to go to that. <laughs> I would pay to go. No to doubt that, that uh, needs to happen. What do you have, Eddie? Well, we all, you know, I have a political slice and I don't bring slices about politics much, uh, but this one is about Rick Perry. And I think that we can all agree when it comes to Rick Perry that he wears glasses. I believe that that's, <laughs> that's not a partisan issue, <laughs> right? We do, wherever you land, you can agree that he needs glasses and he wears yes. them. I, I, I actually, though, this is, I'm not, Eddie. I think I read somewhere and this, I, this probably needs to be oh, fact checked. I'm, I'm certain but, you're right. I don't think he needs the glasses. Oh, I think certain. that uh, during one of his campaigns, he started wearing them to appear more academic. So yeah. mm. he does wear them, but I don't know that he needs them. Let's, let me try again. We all know Rick Perry. He is a person. 
<laughs> Former governor of Texas. We have heard of, but even that, you never know. Um, so I just, uh, I found this slice and was just tickled by what happened. So he heard and got wind of a promising new biofuel made from pig manure and home brewed alcohol, which sounds a little bit too good to be true, but okay. I don't really understand how fuels made, but maybe, maybe there's something to it. And so he wants to learn more about it. And he gets a call from the Ukrainian prime minister named Vladimir Groisman, who has promising information about this brand new biofuel. So oh, no. the energy, he is the energy secretary, which he's not a big fan of the department with which he is the secretary of, but alas, he took the phone call. So he had a 22 minute call on July 19th with the Ukrainian leader and the call was talking about this promising brand new biofuel and he was really engaged in it. The call was made by phone pranksters, Vladimir something and Alexei something who are the basically the Russian version of the jerky boys. In fact, they're called the jerky boys of Russia. These individuals uh, are known for finding really perfect times to make these prank calls and to get famous people on the phones. And so uh, Rick Perry, who we can all agree is a human being, right? Um, yes. had a meeting <laughs> who, with who at one point in his life did not wear glasses and now does. Okay. Yeah. We but, can agree on that. But he took his glasses off for his official portrait. Oh, I was told to take my glasses off for uh, my driver's license. And I'm like, why? You're always going to see my face like this. This seems like an unimportant side note. <laughs> Continuing on. Uh, so these jerky boys of Russia, uh, knew that he had had actual meetings with the actual Ukrainian leaders and that he thought, and they kind of got in right on the time where they would think, well, they would know that uh, Rick Perry would think that there are some sort of follow-up to these talks. So these jerky boys are also the people that are responsible for, uh, for the, a couple years ago, Elton John, there was a story out that Elton John was asked by Vladimir Putin to uh, participate in the, in his the- remix of Despacito. Right. He was asked by... <laughs> he was going gonna to jump a jet ski right. over a big Russian monument. Right. El- awesome. Elton John... Came- High risk of death. There was, a, there was a story that Elton John was asked to play in a pride parade, uh, that, and Vladimir Putin had asked him to. It was not true. It was these Russian jerky boys again. So I basically just wanted to bring this to our attention because they're incredible, and apparently you can't make any new alcohol or uh, any new fuel out of alcohol and pig manure. Jesse Carey. <laughs> I, uh, my only th- my thing with this is like I, it made me appreciate like remember how much I appreciated like a good prank oh, man. call but these guys set the bar so much oh, higher man. they're literally having extended phone calls with government officials or the, some of the biggest pop stars like if, they're posing as Vladimir Putin oh, amazing. and actually getting Elton John on the phone I think it's yeah. a fantastic idea but you know I want to I don't know if we have any lawyers listening to our podcast I think we oh, do yeah. I think we have a couple of attorneys because I I want to know what the legal stipulations are for podcasting prank calls. Like, do I need to get them to sign like a release or a consent form after? Because it, it, when I was reading it, I'm like, dude, I got to do some prank calls. I got to get this out of my system. We have a podcast. What Legally, can we do this? Can we start maybe just once a month? Something harmless, something harmless, but, but go for like one fun prank call because it is the most hilarious thing in the world when executed. I properly. can't handle prank calls. I don't think that's funny at all. And that will never happen on the relevant podcast. 
podcast. That'll have wait, to wait. be on Jesse's Rogue podcast. <laughs> well, uh, hey, yeah. I will start oh, a Rogue yeah. prank call podcast if I need to. What is your wait, because you are, is it because you're like cringing the whole time? Yeah, yeah, I can't handle that kind of humor. <laughs> I just, I just don't. I, I don't like doing to others as you'd have them doing to you. I don't want to be the yeah. butt of that joke, so I, I feel bad for the person who is. The thing is, the thing is, Cameron, you can't see their face. This is an anonymous person, and they never know. And and Jesus is teaching is, does not apply yeah. in that scenario. If I can't see your face, the gospel does not apply. That's my rule. <laughs> I actually think that's true. I, yeah, you know why we get a lawyer? I need a pastor to look at it. Where's that that priest that we talked to the other day? Am I, oh, yeah. am I yeah, clear on at? this one, Father Reese? Biblically, Father Reese, I, I believe, would be totally down with a prank show. Yeah, yeah Cameron, I think Jesus was talking about people that are sitting right in front of you. I don't think it's right. talking about a number I randomly okay. dialed. Jesse, I have been researching <laughs> the message boards, the legal message boards about the legality of prank calls. Okay. Um, if if the prank uh, is like a severe like security type thing, like a bomb threat or crime related, <laughs> or it's or a Rick crime. Related. Yeah. If yeah. it's not, if it's just for you know blanks and harmless, giggles yeah. then mm-hmm. um then it, there's no law against it okay, so. cameron here's the deal man how about this let's compromise we won't be a regular part of the podcast but next time you're out and i host i will prank call rick perry <laughs> <laughs> who is a human being who is a human being that who is human might need corrective things yeah, for his it'll eyeballs. It'll be about his vision. But, yeah, Paul, he <laughs> probably does. But we'll see. We'll also, see. We don't have to decide now, but I will be tracking down Rick Perry's phone number. Before I was researching the legality of prank calls, I was also researching, does Rick Perry need glasses? Yeah. And the consensus was that he was wearing contacts and then did oh. some faux pas as he was running for president where he came off as not quite the brightest bulb in the room. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, that a PR kind of remake of his image was to s- shift from contacts to glasses. So it was around 2015 that he started wearing glasses. Every, there's all these articles about it because they were $500 yeah. hipster glasses and he looked uh, like Clark Kent. Oh, yeah. And uh, it was so he would appear smarter like Sarah Palin started wearing Tina Fey glasses to appear smarter. Then he went on Dancing with the Stars. Right. And is now the energy secretary of the United States of America. I forgot about that trajectory that yes. he went presidential candidate to yes. disgraced falling out of the campaign. He was right. a, he was a leader. He, uh, he was a front runner yes. and then just plummeted right. after some faux pas in the debates. That's right. Then went on dancing with the stars and now is head of the EPA. The irony yes. is that one of the primary faux pas that they, that they were trying to redeem with the glasses was in a debate that said that he would shut down Several, I think he said, oh. "I'll shut down four major government uh, yeah, yeah, institutions," yeah. and he named the EPA as one. And I think he might have named the the Department of Education, and he forgot like two of the four or something. And yeah. so, like, hey, look, I'm not throwing. I mean, the guy was a governor of a of a huge state, so in the pressure of a of a of a, of a debate and a campaign, things happen. But it, it, I think that was the the turning point where they said, "Hey, glasses might help," you know change the image a little. All right. Well, that'll do it for Slices. Stay tuned. Up next, Josh Garrels joins us. listening to Mothers, 
The song is It Hurts Until It Doesn't. I think it's about spanking. <laughs> uh, well, this week's feature segment is brought to you by Casper. Casper is a mattress and bedding company making obsessively engineered mattresses at a shockingly fair price. Casper mattresses combine supportive memory foams to create an award-winning sleep surface with just the right sink and just the right bounce. With over 20,000 reviews and an average of 4.8 stars, it's becoming the internet's favorite mattress. You can go find those reviews on Google or Amazon. Uh, right now, you can get free shipping and returns to the US and Canada, and you can try Casper for 100 nights risk-free in your own home. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. And uh, all Casper mattresses are designed, developed, and assembled in the USA. I uh, I have a Casper mattress yeah. in my house. Uh, it's Cohen's bed, and he loves it. Feel comfortable. And I love it. It's amazing. I think we're going to do bunk beds for the girls and we'll do new mattresses. We'll go Casper. I'm telling you. And then there's now Casper sheets and pillows, which Ooh. are ice. Turn up. I stole his Casper pillow and I have it downstairs <laughs> in my bed because it's so great. It's I the need, best pillow. I, I'm going to try the pillow like now because my pillow is for junk. You got to really, a pillow is an important thing. Absolutely. It like really changes the quality of life. A hundred percent. And honeybees and chickens. I'm telling you. <laughs> And you also all. can't steal from your own child because you bought it, so that's not stealing. No, it's not stealing. When well, no, 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 but I had like set up like he had a Casper bedding setup, and then I would you know crawl in bed, do read bedtimes, do prayer time, stuff like that. And I'm like, man, this pillow is way better than mine, and I took it. So yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. No, okay. you're fine. All right, it's like I feel like <laughs> anyway. that's like stealing fries after you buy the kid his own fries and you take three of them. When my dad did that yeah, to me, literally nothing. Wrong I with hated that. that. That made me more upset than anything. I was like, don't even but buy yeah, me you know the fries. Do? Be an adult. It drove you to buy your own fries, though. <laughs> it did when you become buy. an adult, Mm-mm. that's part of the bit. That's part of the perks. Yeah. It's like I have to pay bills, I have to pay taxes, I have to deal with other stupid drivers. But at least I get to steal fries from my children. Oh man, see, I, that bothered me so much. I, I swore if I'm ever a dad, I'll never do that to my kid. See, we now, do- but now you're okay. But fast forward, you're super hungry. You can uh, Cohen comes to your office with a happy meal that he's obtained right. somehow. Mm-hmm. I don't, it doesn't matter. Uh, Uncle, he comes Uncle to your Chandler. office. Do you take two French fries? No, I don't. I won't take his fries. Not if he, no, I'm saying if I bought it, I, like if I bought you this pillow mm-hmm. and I'm like, dang, this pillow is amazing. I think I'm going to use it. But don't you want I'll your kids you to have a better life than you? I would gladly sacrifice and let him have the better pillow normally. <laughs> That's why I normally. was so out of my, it was so out of character for me to steal his pillow because I want it for myself. You know what I've sacrificed? My entire life for my children. <laughs> so I think the least I can do is take a pillow. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, arguably, Cameron, you're doing him a favor by eating those French, the, the less French fries yes. anyone consumes, the better oh, yes. you're true. arguably doing it. That's true. Favor. At least dad, the, all that dad asks for is the big piece of chicken. When I come home, like, that's all I'm asking for. Just give me the big piece of chicken. The, everything in this house is yours. That's Let all I want and rent. You better pay me rent. <laughs> and and I want all your pillows. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, or else so, I'm going to throw you to the beehive. Right. Hey, right now, uh, Casper is offering relevant podcast listeners a special offer. You can get $50 off any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash relevant and using promo code relevant. Uh, terms and conditions apply. Go do it. Casper, please send Cohen a new pillow. <laughs> Daddy stole a pillow. Daddy's old. Well, I swapped. I gave him my flat pillow that I got at like Walmart in 2002. Kids don't know. They don't have like... That's upper, what I'm saying. His up, neck is smaller no, than mine. They don't need upper 30-year-old back support no. and head support. 
Bart. No. Cameron, so your last pillow was bought the same time I bought my last transparent bear full of honey. <laughs> a decade. Wow. <laughs> transparent bear. Still going strong. Hey, Josh Garrels is a critically acclaimed singer-songwriter from Portland who blends everything from folk, uh, soul, worship, uh, and Americana. We recently talked with him about the songs that helped shape him as an artist as well as challenged him spiritually. Uh, he also just announced uh, some new fall tour dates. Uh, Prop, you've yeah. toured with him, haven't you? I have. I admire Josh. It's some of the funnest times I've had doing a few shows. First of all, the way that he tours is brilliant. He's like, um, yeah, I don't use promoters at all. I just have this ginormous like e-newsletter list, and I just kind of send it to them, and then they sell out the building. <laughs> all right. Here is Josh Garrels telling us the songs that changed his life. I'm on my mother's In some ways, the earliest recollections of music that moved me, um, trying to boil it down to like a song that symbolizes sort of an entire period of life for me. So there is the period, you know, when you're really young and you basically are inheriting your parents' music. So yeah, when I was really little, it was my dad's, you know, record collection. And I remember he would put on music and I'd sit there with my head by the speakers and listen to whatever he put on. And so um, probably the most quintessential for early on was Beatles music. I remember when me and my sisters um, started listening to my dad's Beatles records and he would put them on. He made us all our own mixtape of basically like the hits from the Beatles all the way from their earliest, you know, rock and roll up to their psychedelic stuff and ending their career. Um, but the song from the Beatles that jumps out to me is the one that I remember listening really critically to as, you know, and a seven or eight year old was uh, Paul McCartney's Hey Jude and really being mesmerized by the build of the song. You know, it's starting off just as this really sort of sensitive ballad with him and the piano. And I think I remember my dad telling me some of the, the backstory to the song um, so listening to it with some context, but then listening to that particular song build and build and build as the instruments are added until you have, you know, the huge chorus of people at the end singing, you know, no, 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 no. And it really like it affected me, you know, um, thinking back the, so the story and the song arc to that song, like it really, I remember sitting there listening to it and being really, really affected by it. And even that being sort of the seedlings of, I want to create music that takes people on a journey like this someday. And not knowing how they did it as like a seven or eight year old, but knowing like this is important. What they're doing is moving me and it's important. Hey Jude, don't let me down. You have found her. Better, better, better. 
me and my older two sisters, we all gravitated to counterculture. And um, at the time, in the like early mid 90s, at the time, what was coined as alternative music, you know, so this was before the grunge era. And I, being an early, a very early teen, maybe even 11 or 12 years old, I would inherit a lot of the music from my um, high school older sisters. So there was like, you know, The Cure and groups like this, uh, Depeche Mode and the music uh, that was on 120 Minutes on MTV. But the one that I really latched onto and took a hold of as my own amidst all those was this group, The Pixies. And... Um, I remember buying all of their cassette tapes and I would listen to them in my Walkman on the way to school. And I think like the Beatles, you know, like the four or five albums the Pixies put out, it's this huge spectrum of sound that they were creating. Um, I mean, the backbone sort of being indie rock, but yet they're really experimental with the sounds they were working with. Um, Joey Santiago, their guitarist, you know, like great guitarist. He could really make the guitar sing. Then you had Kim Deal, who went on to be part of the Breeders, who's the female vocalist. Frank Black. So you had this plethora of vocalists and also great guitar work. Um, it really, for a period of my life, for a couple of years, the Pixies and their music um, really added to what, what, what I what I was finding was possible to do with music. So I think to boil it down to one song, I remember um, on a, again, a family road trip down to Virginia with my Walkman, uh, this song, Anna, A-N-A coming on um, off their album, Bossa Nova. And yeah, really being mesmerized again by the sound of that song. I remember in middle school, I, I quit basketball and soccer and track and realized all I wanted to do was skateboard. And I became a teenage skateboarder in Indiana from age 12 or 13 all the way up through college. Skateboarding was like my uh, main cultural uh, touch point because I think the beautiful thing about skateboarding is that it uh, it's more than just a sport. It's sort of fashion and art and music. It's sort of this whole cultural thing all mixed into one, you know. So at the time, I made this pretty drastic music shift um, into listening to nothing but sort of like West Coast skate punk rock. Um, maybe not all West Coast, but definitely like skate punk. So uh, Epitaph and groups like Bad Religion and No Effects were all I listened to for <laughs> a number of years skateboarding. Um, so the song I chose that would sort of symbolize that whole period of my life uh, is by this group called Pennywise. Maybe their most well-known song called Bro Him which is just, uh, you know, a skate punk song with a bunch of guys yelling in the background. But it was uh, that that song, that music definitely symbolizes the, the teenage angst and uh, <laughs> boyhood sort of aggression that I was able to take out, you know, in the streets on a skateboard. There was one evening when um, 
drastically from punk rock, I realized like hip hop spoke to me in a way that I couldn't, um, I couldn't ignore. Um, all of a sudden, like, especially East Coast hip hop, you know, Wu Tang and Gangstar, Tribe Called Quest, De La Soul, um, Diggable Planets, all, the, all this sort of like jazz based, sort of golden era hip hop jumped out to me. And that's sort of all I listened to for about the next, you know, four or five years of my life was, you know, that era mid to late 90s hip hop um, before <laughs> before Eminem was on the scene and it became sort of the world dominating force that it still continues to be today. At that point, it was still sort of obscure in some ways. It was still sort of uh, countercultural, you know, um, but it, it also blended with skateboarding at the time. Um, so the song I chose to sort of symbolize this whole era of uh, Almost nothing but hip hop in my life is uh, chose a tribe called Quest song called Excursions. The uh, first song on their album Low End Theory it just starts with this, you know, sort of grimy stand up bass looped, and uh, it's just such a good, it's such such a good song, man. So yeah, Excursions by a Tribe Called Quest. Fix your mouth to word it. Get in the zone of positivity, not negativity, because we gotta strive for longevity. If you watch up, what's in that? A pair of Nike size 10 and a half. Man, when I came to Faith, it was this really, it was a, like, like anything, it was this, this really drastic change, not just in sort of belief system, but like even aesthetics and cultural value, you know, the things that I was so dogmatic and vehement about with counterculture and music genres and stuff those sort of all broke down with the decision you know and yeah started listening again to like sensitive music and realized i loved folk music and roots music but i didn't i didn't know anything about christian music to be real honest with you um so i was i was hungry to find any music that would sort of speak to this change that happened in me right in that period i started listening to ben harper um his earlier albums that are definitely more folk and acoustic based um but i remember going home shortly after coming to faith at college and um and there's this uh album i think it's fight for your mind maybe but as it's been Harper song, I want to be ready, uh, which is all about, you know, being ready to put on your long white robe. Um, it's just, it's such a good song, man. Ben has some of these songs that are definitely like so in touch with the gospel. And I remember, like I said, I didn't have any music that was speaking to this change that had happened internally. And so this Ben Harper song, I want to be ready. I remember listening to it over and over in my room and just weeping because this thing had happened and it was some it was just one of the rare songs I could find that was actually like singing about this new longing that was inside of me. I wanna be ready. I wanna be ready. I wanna be ready. Ready to put on my long white robe.
was Josh Garrels. Stay tuned. Up next, Dr. Emerson Egrich joins us. to the drums the song is blood under my belt you might want to get that looked at that's the full name (laughs) (laughs) dr emerson egrich is a speaker author relationship expert and founder of the love and respect ministry with his wife sarah he's also the father of the co-founder of joy egrich a former podcaster here love joy moved away to france and we've not heard from her since love e-train yes she is just eating baguettes and touring the countryside and drinking wine and being too good for all of us on bicycle is she the love and respect now yes person yes yeah joy dude i was on her blog a few times she's cool she's She's really really great yeah yeah Yeah. in his latest book called before you hit send uh emerson discusses the pitfalls of moderate communication how you can avoid them and uh, give some tough love to Eddie about not being so wildly offensive on the massive public platform he's been given. I am who I am. (laughs) (laughs) He does address you quite specifically throughout. You guys knew when you gave me this microphone what a dumb idea was. Without any further ado, here is Dr. Emerson Egrich. So tell me a little bit of why you wanted to write the new book before you hit send. Because I know there's a lot of people I work with some, I work with one in particular that uh, could really use some advice on properly communicating and not being horrifically offensive. And we won't mention that that's probably Eddie you're referring to. <laughs> oh, it's, it's actually, I mean, you should see some of the just vile texts that he didn't even, you know, he didn't even know what he was saying. It's just, uh, you know, uh, shocking well, to me, but. Yes, yes, actually. Well, yeah, exactly. And we, um, full confession, you actually asked me to contact Harper Collins to write this book so that we could set this up to get a message true to Eddie. I mean, that's the only thing that's going to get through to the guy. <laughs> We've had trade-up interventions about some of the things he said. We figured it was published. You know, he's unavoidable. (laughs) So so we we fully acknowledge, Eddie, if you are listening, um, you may be out sending emails before you're thinking, but this book, Before You Hit Sin, is designed for all of us to think before we speak. And um, and HarperCollins asked me to uh, write this because obviously people are leaving their digital footprint. And uh, as a result, um, nothing is really deleted. World Wide Web means worldwide. And uh, social media means it's social. And so uh, the idea that we can just kind of carelessly say things, you know, it's it's having a, a tremendous consequence now. In fact, I talked to several business owners who say they go to Facebook before they hire somebody and see what that person is communicating on their Facebook. So this has become an interesting day. Um, and even from a, a Christian standpoint, you know, Christ talked about every careless word, you know, we have to give an account for. So in that regard, uh, this is a pretty serious uh, topic, but the book is designed to help us communicate effectively. Someone said, I thought the book was to tell me to shut up. No, actually the book is, is designed to tell us to speak up. And there are four basic things that I have used since college days as a checklist before speaking. And actually daughter, my daughter Joy wanted me to write this because she knew this is kind of part of my life message. And uh, so the book revolves around these four questions that I ask myself before I send a text, before I call someone, except in the case of this this conversation. <laughs> and and then also, you know, before I do something interpersonally. 
Well, what, what's interesting is, and I, I don't want to give uh, too much away, but one of the steps that kind of jumped out uh, at me was, you know, if, if you ask yourself, is it necessary? And I feel like for me, and particularly guys like Eddie, who just is constantly yapping at that, I mean, just won't stop. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's sometimes one of the hardest things to ask yourself, particularly in email and social media. It's like, well, I could reply here, I could, or I could give my opinion. What What are some tips for gauging the ne- how necessary it is to comment on certain things in, in, in a written digital form? Well, my uh, COO just said to me the other day, she read the book and she said, whoa, this is unbelievable. She was relaying an, uh, an email to a friend about a, uh, another friend who had been in three different relationships and was now getting married to a fourth individual, not fourth time, but uh, was in a fourth relationship and this was going to result in marriage. And she was going through, she was kind of making comment about the first three relationships. And she was saying to herself, as a result of reading this section unnecessary, she said, you know, this wasn't necessary. I didn't need to bring up the relationship she'd had prior to this marriage that she was about to enter into. She said it really wasn't germane to the point, and it was suggesting, she, and she realized, I was suggesting that the girl didn't know how to do relationships. And she said, the Lord spoke to her, this, this isn't necessary. Mm-hmm. And so she said, I deleted it. And I love that illustration because we all do that. We're, we're, many times we're saying things out of complete innocence. You know, there's this woman who said, you know that little thing in the back of your brain that tells you not to say something before you say it? I said, yeah. I, I, I don't have that little thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, yeah, I, again, I know someone who you preach in right to. <laughs> And his name starts with the, the letter E. Yeah, yeah. Let's, I don't want to give away his identity, but we'll call him Eddie K. Eddie K. Okay, okay, all right. That, I'm, that's incognito. Yeah. I, um, I appreciate the fact that you are sensitive enough yeah, to wanna, anything wanna that would not be privacy. necessary. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a great illustration of not saying something that is unnecessary. I mean, you're just a classic illustration of how to do it right. Well, this friend could learn a lot from both me and you. I'll say that as well. Yeah, I, I know, I know. Well, and I think the part of the challenge for us um, in communicating today, again, is to realize, you know, why why am I saying what I'm saying? And uh, some of us um, are simply not thinking uh, as well as we should, especially when we're angry, yeah. you know. And I think uh, there are experts out there that have their own checklist, and they say, do I want the attorney general to read this? You know, yeah. do I want my boss to read this? And I know in my case over the years when I've been angry, and, you know, I don't know if people are like me, but if I get five A's, in class and 1D, I fixate on the D. Yeah. And um, and there is a, a, a tendency in me, if somebody writes me an email and they say four or five positive things, but one thing that seems negative, I think, what are they trying to say to me? Yeah. And I have a tendency to read into the negative. And then I have this proclivity to want to say something about that. I tend to think that's really why they wrote this. They've sandwiched it, you know, good comment, negative comment, and then another good comment. They've sandwiched it together, really make me a point. And I kind of want to then react to that. So one of the things that I've tried to do is wait. If I find myself getting angry, give myself some time, and then I have this checklist of four things that are vital. And if I can check off all four of these, then I, I hit send. And I, I dedicate this uh, book to my grandchildren, Jackson, who's six, and Ada Joy Marie. Ada Joy Marie is two, uh, because they're going to be inheriting a world where literally the world is at their fingertips. They can send a message anywhere around the world. And uh, with today, people are losing civility, and there's this anger. And it's like, because I don't have a relationship with you, I can say anything I want. Well, no, there's a digital footprint here 
and your future employer may, in fact, read what you just said. What what are some of the big common mistakes that you see, particularly among you know what digital natives, people that grew up in the digital space, when it comes to improperly using? Th- technology that, that's hurting the relate real relationships and professional prospects well I think I think again there is this idea that I can delete this you know that I can do this text I can do this whatever and I can get rid of it but somewhere there are systems out there that are recording a whole lot of this stuff and it can come back to bite you and I think we just need to always ask ourselves do I want my future children to see this or read this we have to develop some kind of an internal mindset that says you know I don't need to say this then I challenge people who are the people that have influenced your life the most are they individuals going off half cocked are they the ones saying things in text are they angrily? No, they, they tend to be a little bit more controlled. They tend to be a little bit more positive. They're thoughtful. And when you read this book, you're going to see these four things. And my prediction is the people who have influenced you have, in fact, abided by these four. And you and I have talked before. I, I like you so much, Jesse, because you are a humorist. And people who have humor have to be very discreet about this. But we can learn a great deal from people who are funny because they know how to communicate well. They know how to have a twinkle in their eye. They know how to grin. There is a an inflection in their voice. Everything sets it up so that you kind of know where this is going. Well, some people, when they're upset, they lose the twinkle. They lose yeah. that tone. They don't know how to offset it, and they don't know how to say it in emails. So they're trying to emoticon themselves through life, as I say it. They're trying to offset what they know is a challenge to them. And I just say, look, it's not worth rupturing relationships, and you can't delete it, and you can do it right, and you can control your anger. And in the long run, it's going to enhance your credibility and uh, one of the points I make it's it's not so much you know preventing people from getting the wrong idea it's making sure that they get the right idea after uh, you know writing and working on this book which you know essentially is a deep analysis of effective written communication did it help you or did it give you any kind of new insider appreciation into like the letters of Paul to in through because I was thinking you know after kind of uh, you know looking at the book and, and talking with you it's like you know those letters have in, in endured for a long time but essentially, they're just written communication that are effective, you know, incredibly effective at communicating message. Did, did it kind of give you any insight to to those in particular in the New Testament? Well, yeah, I mean, I think through the years, uh, not to give, I don't want to give away the four uh, concepts, but I had the privilege of studying the Bible 30 hours a week for nearly 20 years as a senior pastor. And so these uh, concepts are so central. I mean, what is going to be amazing is we all know these things. There are passages we quote all the time within the church, and yet the question is, are we applying these? One of the things I think that really struck me as I got into these four areas, there are subsets to these four concepts that are profound. And uh, I think what excites me the most, we put an assessment tool together that I do these things for myself to help me assess, am I really doing these four things? And there are clusters under each of those four categories. And suddenly you begin to realize, you know what, I kind of have a tendency in this area. Over here, I'm doing very, very well. But over here, I need to bolster this and shore this up a bit. And so we have an assessment tool in Appendix that you can order that will allow you to make an evaluation of yourself based on your self-report. 
one of my great desires was for every high school student to read this book. I think if we could get this book into the hands of high school kids, this could really help them in the days ahead. But it also applies in the office complex and so on and so forth. The feedback we've gotten so far from many people is this is just across the board applicable, you know, and I think it excites me to get the feedback here. So I'm blessed, you know, I think personally. But I think the deepest thing, this comes out of my own life. I heard these ideas when I was in college, and I've been trying to apply them for over four decades. This really is part of, and I think this is why Joy, my daughter, wanted me to to do this, because she knew this was part of my DNA. And it was good to be able to get it down on paper. And I think from a personal standpoint, that I think brings me the most pleasure. Dr. Emerson Egerich, go check out his new book. It's called Before You Hit Send. It's out now. E-Train. I love him. He's really wise. He's incredible. I, I, like Every yeah, time I talk yeah. to him, he's, he's it's sort of like, hey, I don't want to use you as my counselor, but also <laughs> um, question about this. And then he just like speaks perfect, unedited, like, like, uh, like he doesn't stutter like I just did. He speaks perfectly and it's super wise. I'm like, oh, this guy, this guy is like actually a good person. Yeah, he's not pretending. Yeah, it's to be a, one. he's one of those guys that you're around him. You're just like, I, I, th- that is a better person yeah. than me. Yeah, 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 yeah. And no- yeah, that's a far, so, far superior. Yeah, that's like, he's like Rick Perry with yeah. glasses. You know right. what I'm saying? Yeah, with the glasses. With the glasses. <laughs> right. Yeah. Also, a handsome guy too. Oh, dashing, dashing. Yeah, Emerson. Yeah, very handsome. Yeah. I mean, with a name like Emerson, you have to be gorgeous or brilliant or both. And and he got both. So yes, this is this is interesting. This is very turned very filio. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can I also say, guys, this is something that happened during an online shopping thing in church. Don't cheap out in the beekeeper suit. One little hole, a bee can get in, they can't get out, and it turns out. Boring. And when they get in, they <laughs> get furious. They're, they're furious. They're hot. You're sweating. The bees stinging you. You have. There's no recourse. You. you I had to smoke gun myself. I had to put the smoke gun in the beekeeping suit, and I ruined the smoke gun. I was burned, stung, and $75, not worth it. I now finally understand that that famous uh, southern phrase, angry like a bee caught in a beekeeping suit. And now I finally get it. It's a classic, because what you don't realize about bees is they can sting once, but they just keep biting afterwards. Yeah, they're totally. They they try to eat. It's like a rat. They just try to eat their way through. It's it's, it's horrific and painful, and it's uh, you know, about three hours. So, you're, thing, so you're saying so, uh, don't cheap out. Don't buy it on, uh, you know, wish.com or Alibaba. Go, yeah. go for the high end yeah. Amazon highly rated. Yeah, it's, it's, don't it's just quite, wear a long sleeve yeah, t-shirt and a, you know, like a, you know, a pair of jeans. Cause they'll, I, they'll I know you. in your head when you're, when you're, when you, when you upgrade to the, to the, to the elite beekeeper suit, all yeah. you're doing is thinking about how many honey bears you're going to have to not buy to pay for this thing. And it's going to make yeah. no financial sense. Trust me. Just buy the expensive one. That's all, right. all I'll say. There you go. I think that's what uh, Father John Misty's album, I Love You, Honey Bear, was actually about. It was a whole... It was really about that. It was, it was, it was a beekeeping. A beekeeping miscap. A lot of stuff is about beekeeping, and you just don't know about it. Yeah. That's a, that's a spinoff podcast. It's all going to be about... The buzz. Eddie Koffold's on beekeeping. There it is. Oh, I hate that you came up with that so quickly. You're so, brand, <laughs> you're so good at branding things. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Stay tuned. Up next, your feedback. In the clouds, when I touch down in your city, better be Try, slow it down, but I can't stop, homie, I've been on a Hands in the sky, every time we draw and they always got to Keep your hands hot, hot, hot You're listening to Taylor Gray, the song is Amistad and it features Tragic Hero, good track
Okay, it's time for your feedback. Um, so last week on the podcast, we got talking about uh, the fact that Pure Flix has announced that they are working on the world's first Christian soap opera. Man. And uh, we uh, think that's a pretty horrific idea, but we wanted to know from you. <laughs> it is certainly other, an idea. Other Christian uh, soap opera ideas. Yes. Both the premises and the maybe key casting decisions. Yeah. You guys yeah. hit us up on the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. You also tweeted at us at Relevant Podcast. Here are a few of our favorites for best ideas for a Christian soap <laughs> you opera. You got to let me start, Jesse, because we're going for the uh, same one. Are you going? I know. Just do it. I know which one you're doing. Brian Henninger. Has, Dang it. That's <laughs> a, a, a I mean, writer promise. Not, that was the one I. I loved. mean, I don't know that it gets any better than this ever what on feedback. Here's the pitch. In a it, cut, it's called a brighter promise. In a cutthroat mega church called Radiant Rivers of Peace, the pastor's <laughs> wives. Pass- you could stop there, right? <laughs> no. Radiant Rivers of this Peace. It's brilliant. This guy gets so soft focus. I totally can see oh, this church. He got he got yeah. so right on this. It's really it's uncomfortable. like 90s salmon carpeting. Yeah. throughout. Yeah. This is really yeah. uncomfortably right. The pastor's wives battle for dominance in their online pyramid scheme businesses. Oh, <laughs> Who will come out on top? The serious wife of the preaching pastor and her essential oil line. The sassy youth pastor's <laughs> wife and her thrive juice racket maybe the quiet but sweet children's <laughs> wife and her book through the mail business the answer may lie with the scheming church administrator and her ability to manipulate the congregation from the inside introducing this fall on pure flicks a brighter promise wow that's so good. i mean <laughs> guys so you good. need to get him on this podcast yeah, that like, guy that guy yeah. has a future brian henninger i would like to congratulate you because also, he, he's okay. going to get an email from somebody at Pure Flex, you know, because they are going to green light that idea. <laughs> yeah. Because, no, like, that's, I, that's, really hope I so. cannot tell you how many people are like, oh, I've just been really into selling this stuff. And then you're like, oh my gosh, now I'm at a party at your house. A tupperware party, basically. Yeah. But it is yeah, the yeah. new versions of that, except yeah. it make you, it's, you feel bad because it's not like, it's your friend, yeah. Amway or Avon. It's like, Something charitable. And Guys, like, I thought you were having me over for the Michael Phelps shark thing. Can we at least turn it on in the background? Oh, I mean, man. And it is always like, have you heard about that crazy rap I'll thing? I'll buy the yoga pants, whatever. Just, I need to see the shark. Oh. Yeah, the essential oil part is what pushes it over the top. Like, because that's, that's Christian girl crack. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, we had a pusher on staff. She's in Africa now. Uh, she <laughs> well, and in France. <laughs> well, yeah, right. <laughs> no, but like, but it was like I love her to death. But she was a lot of the Christian twenty-something uh, cliches where she was literally <laughs> distributing essential oils to all the staff members. They were all you know hooked on it, and then she left her job to go you know live in Africa for for a year. And like, it's great. We love her. But definitely, uh, uh, the office smelled when she worked here. Oh, no. Wait, wait, wait. You said it smelled. You're not supposed to be drinking these things? <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> that explains a lot of issues I've been having. I have lost uh, 72 pounds in oh, the boy. last four weeks. I've consumed, I've consumed gallons. Um, it tastes, it explains why it tastes so bad. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm literally hooked. I'm addicted. I've tried to stop and I've gone through withdrawals. I'm consuming a lot of oil. Yeah. I mean, uh, but the, oh the, the, the idea of the, the, these businesses, though, are everywhere. And I get that people want to make money and I get that it's like I, I want to get back. I mean, there's they, nothing to knock here. It's, it's creative. It's entrepreneurial. But the, it's, it's the number know. of people that use just their friends to sell. Yeah stuff yeah. is like um, tough. man I, I know everybody's got a job to do but I do not I'm not into it 
Well, let's let's clear you. We can we can clear the palate with with a new pitch. How about you, that? You could well, start a whole like uh, honey business. You could sell honey, dude. But I want to just say to you guys, I would love for you guys to come over and try it. You don't have to. You don't have to buy any of these. This isn't like one of those like weird pitch things. But I would love to like we have some bottles on gift bags already ready and stuff. And it's a great <laughs> it's a great gift. So if you want some honey, you well, can you can come over and grab. You some. can take it. And here's the great thing. I got a square it's like reader. if you get at the end of the day, you're not even the one selling. It's the people under you selling. That's all. That's just right. so simple. Right. For, every, so for every bottle of uh, honey you sell, you give back to bees in need. It's right. really yeah. a give back sort of situation. Right. Yeah. It's a one for one. Helping the bees. Oh, one for one prop. Don't even say that. Oh, that is the other one. <laughs> yeah. I think it's great one for one, but it's turned into like the... Ugh. Now I got to buy this so I can send a necklace to some just charging twice as much. Just, why can't I just get a decent price for the one and let me give to who I want to give to. Yeah, or why don't you just give me half off? <laughs> why don't I just buy the transparent bear full of honey then trekking to Eddie's backyard and just getting stung in the face again? I mean, I got a Costco <laughs> membership. I could get Last one honey. I, I clean my shoes. There's wild chickens running around doing you know what all over the yard. And blood bee feathers everywhere. And, 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 and he's out there manually getting the bee from the hive. I mean, I got like two teaspoons and it took him an hour <laughs> and he's sweating to and man he's the good. smoke gun i don't know how that thing works oh man all right i uh, mean i guess there's okay. other feedback okay. is there yeah. others okay, okay. okay. Let, let me do it there are a lot of good ones let, 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 at least let me do Cor, uh, corbin's here okay um this one's called sinner takes all <laughs> oh my <laughs> <laughs> Crime comes swiftly to a suburban non-denominational church when the millennial associate pastor begins stealing from the collection plate to help fund he and his wife weekend trip to Las Vegas, where they hope to get matching tattoos. This fall, Paul Dano, Rachel Bilson star. Center takes all. That's more of a lifetime movie. Yeah, let's be yeah, honest. Not, yeah. That doesn't have, yeah, it's lifetime. See, the it's good thing about series. the first one, it's a series because like there's yeah. so many ways that yeah, they can yeah, go. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I would like to, or I, I like Katie McDonald's. It was very short and to the point and I enjoyed it. Katie McDonald, who's a behavioral health counselor at Youth for Change, said, uh, missionaries in paradise, 17 cast members all working in a nondescript town where they minister to the local population. Plot points include purity con- conversations, group worship time, and disagreeing on theology that just seems a little too real they're just all purity conversations what was the worst part of that i'm like oh yeah there's like literally no drama in that that's just what happens right 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 right. she just just stated what they do just basically uh, a documentary at that point doug mcfarlane he had he didn't really do a uh soap opera but i would still watch this show it's mm-hmm. called Lead Me Not, <laughs> as in Lead Me Not to Temptation. Um, hidden cameras follow unsuspecting people as they navigate situations where they are tempted. If slash when they fail, a double dare slime is dumped on their heads and host Kirk Cameron suddenly appears to confront them about their decision. Perfect. Again, I would totally watch that. You're like <laughs> tempting people. Like there's like a hundred dollar bill like sitting on a table. You see someone takes it and then you just get shamed on TV. So it's That's like a to, it's, it's total a, like dateline yeah it's yeah. like to catch a predator but just with sin traps with kirk cameron yeah 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 except with yeah but, but not as not as uh, <laughs> i would hope the level of sin that they're trying to catch doesn't elevate to catch a predator level but you know I'd watch. <laughs> all right well there's a lot more uh, you can go check them out over on the podcast episode page okay it's time for this week's editorial question of the week hey. all right well you know we've we've launched a lot of businesses today uh, we got mm-hmm. Eddie's Backyard Empire. Businesses. I, I think you should call your, your holding company Backyard Empire or yeah. Backyard Enterprises, Inc. Mm-hmm. And then you have 
You got the bee's Excellent. knees. You got the podcasting empire. You got the chicken. You got Thanks. a pillow empire because of all the chicken feathers. Oh, it's I a mean, whole. You got it's a, a whole self-sustaining entity. Yeah, I'm going. Yeah, all all of which have huge markets for you. Them. Have outdoor tubs, <laughs> and they're all one for one. You make outdoor bathtubs. Everything's one for one. Yeah. yeah, you you teach people how to use the sun to heat their water to bathe yeah. in. I encourage people to sell those products to their friends to their friends in church going <laughs> yeah and then they if they can find a couple of people to sell it for them all right. of a sudden man their their husband can quit guidance I mean, counseling I, I've read stories of people retiring at like 25 they retire for good we also know? we also uh, launched a new podcast for Jesse today you know yeah. the prank call podcast because that ain't gonna happen on this show nope. um, and uh, <laughs> I don't know what he's gonna call it do you have a name for it yet Jesse uh, not yet, but I would like pitches for names. Yeah, so any people. So this week's question of the week, we want targets and concepts, content ideas yeah. for Jesse's prank call podcast. Yeah. Who should oh, he call this. and what should the prank be? That's mm-hmm. this week's editorial question of the week. Yeah. He says he might do them. I, I, I would, I will, I, hey, I will promise you, I will at least attempt to do, uh, I, I will get one recorded. If I have to attempt a lot, I will. Oh There's a goodness. little gleam in his eye because he just, I re- love prank calls. Loves I love, prank calls are my we love are, language, And guys. he just realized today he has all the equipment he needs to do. <laughs> he has a <laughs> Skype line, a Skype recorder, <laughs> an excellent microphone, a ton of free yeah. time, and apparently a life that doesn't really exist outside of whatever he does. So, <laughs> it's all. So, sorry, sorry, Eddie, I don't have all these exciting hobbies. <laughs> He's like beekeeping. <laughs> right. Oh, this life. Oh, he's got such a life, this big nerd that sits there on his computer all day. Oh, oh sorry, oh, oh, Eddie. Oh, oh, you're, oh. So, you're so cool oh. building a chicken coop in your backyard. Oh. Wow. Oh. Wow. Oh. What am I missing? Oh, what an empty, futile existence I live. Feudal. I never manned my own beehive that I spent $2,000 <laughs> making and got $6 worth of honey last year from. Oh, woe is me. So we want to know your podcast oh uh, break and a call concept ideas target and concepts hit us up on twitter at relevant podcast or you can post yours your more elaborate setups yeah. uh, on the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. jesse right now i need to hear a few of your voice disguises because your voice is too recognizable I, well, that's Give me some the thing, voice disguises. man i don't i don't even when i do a prank call i don't go character i go uh, it's you know that's why these guys have to be perfect strangers i would give no. money for you to prank the cast of perfect strangers oh uh, balky and cousin larry oh yeah hey, can i yeah. Can That'd we be, be real? It can't be that hard to get a hold of. I, I gotta feel like. I feel like man. <laughs> I think I'm just probably, saying, like, like a little behind the scenes when you work in media, you can get the phone numbers relatively easy to some people. I feel like if I needed to track them down, yeah. I no. could and pitch them some you, TV. You can get our intern on it, and in about an hour and a half, you're oh. going to have their direct lines. The guy that played Balky made a really intense effort to get his Bronson name. Pichot. Yeah, he made yeah. an effort to get his name in the phone book. They're like, we barely even make phone books. He's like, you put my name in that thing, <laughs> it, please. and make sure you put Balky in quotes. Well, he did. It. He thought it was the white pages where you would go A A A A to get your business right. listed first. So he, he's listed as A A A A Bronson Pinchot. Yeah, he's just yeah. waiting, <laughs> waiting. Legally, legally changed it. Cousin Libby. That's, yeah. that's that's the whole reason. thing when that you're was from the worst Bronson Pinchot. It's, I uh, mean, it was about as good as his. <laughs> it was terrible. I saw him on a DIY network show where he was renovating like log cabins. I'm sure he's talented. Like, like he's like, that's what he does now is he does like home rebuilds. Yeah. Dude, so. I was at the gym and they had like TV on and they had like the Battle of Network Stars and he was. He not only was he the biggest quote unquote star on there, but it was like it was Whoa. like former sitcom actors versus like models or something. 
Bronson, what's his last name? B- B- yeah, it's something we all say it Balky. wrong. But it's I'm like, just having to call him Balky. Okay. Balky was mercilessly taunting the models the whole time. Like, like he was taking this battle of network stars that was on in the afternoon on a Saturday way too seriously. Like, I could tell that, like, Mike Golick or, or whoever was doing it was uncomfortable at the level of trash talk Balky was taking to this. <laughs> All that to say, he's got Balky's got one speed, and that's pedal to the floor. If he's doing something, he's in. Log Cabin, he's in. Perfect Strangers, he's in. Battle Network Stars, he's in. I can't wait to see how it's going to explode on this prank call. It's going to be good, you guys. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, many thanks to our show sponsors for making this episode possible. Uh, remember, you can go check out Samaritan Ministries International by going to SamaritanMinistries.org. Learn more about their awesome program. Also, thanks to Casper. Right now, Relevant Podcast listeners can get $50 off any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash relevant and using promo code relevant. Uh, thanks to our guests uh, this week, Josh Garrels. Uh, he just announced his fall tour, so go check it out on his website. See uh, where he's coming near you and go support great independent artists. I think his shows yeah. are awesome. And you can also follow him on Twitter at Josh Garrels. Uh, thanks also to Dr. Emerson Egerich. His new book is called Before You Hit Send, The Eddie Koffelt Story. It's, uh, <laughs> it's out now, and you can follow him on Twitter at Emerson EE. There you go. Emerson I just sent him a pretty strongly worded response to this interview. <laughs> <laughs> did you, you should have let me see it before you hit send. That was it, chapter yeah, three. Did, it, Eddie, did you hit send? It was, you, you learned nothing. Yeah, yeah. Did, Eddie. Was there at any point, did you put a colon close parenthesis <laughs> to let him know that you're mad, but, uh, you know, or at least a but winky, like, yeah. hey, you really shouldn't have brought, uh, you know, my family into it. It got personal, but that was too far. I got very direct and serious and brutally honest and hurtful. And that's, <laughs> yeah. and, that, and that's the email I sent. So right, right. enjoy the new book. Was, yeah. And let me say this. It was proudly wink free. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wink free. That's a t-shirt right there. Yeah. Proudly wink, wink free. free. All right. Well, on that note, we'll wrap things up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Eddie Koffoltz. I'm Chandler Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Propaganda. Hey, have a good trip to Africa, yeah, man. Yeah, safe travels. Yeah. Will do. Thanks, guys. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to The Relevant Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review on iTunes. Check out other shows from The Relevant Podcast Network in the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And while you're there, browse exclusive podcast merchandise at our online store. Make sure to subscribe to Relevant Magazine. Info is available at relevantmagazine.com forward slash subscribe. Some girls hate themselves, hide under the covers with sleeping pills, and some girls cut themselves, stand in the mirror and wait for the feedback. If I can't see your face, the gospel does not apply.